Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Uh, breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. It seems that the eye of the uh, news collecting and disseminating industry has been focused on Wisconsin the last two weeks, the cheesehead state. Normally, it doesn't make a lot of news out of all the states in our union. But I'd say in the last two weeks, uh, it scored the trifecta, the trinity, the troika of major news stories. As you know, started with their all-everything quarterback Aaron Rodgers, without which nobody would pay attention to the Green Bay Packers. If you've ever been in Green Bay like I have, very small city, only 100,000 people, and he had lied about being uh, vaccinated, and you know all the drama that resulted from that, but that became a national, international story. Then certainly what we're going to be talking about, the Rittenhouse jury in Kenosha, and it uh, resolving that Rittenhouse was innocent on all five charges. And then just uh, moments ago, at a uh, Christmas parade, I don't know if you can call it that anymore, politically correct uh, folks might uh, cancel you, so we'll call it uh, probably a holiday parade in Waukesha, Not a very big city. I mean, you're talking 73,000, but then again, Green Bay has only 100,000, and Kenosha, 150,000. And this uh, red SUV goes plowing through adults and children who are watching this Christmas parade through barricades. And apparently uh, a suspect has been taken uh, into custody. No other details at this point. Uh, people are injured up to 20. Uh, there may be, uh, there may be some deaths as a result, but we'll keep you all connected into this. And as to whether this is in reaction to what had happened in Kenosha, you never know. There's so many screwballs out there with all the furniture rearranged in the wrong rooms who utilize uh, national stories to then go out and vent their rage or whatever it is they imagine was taking place. Or maybe it was some kind of organized effort, an act of uh, domestic or international terrorism. I have no idea, but we're going to keep you all connected. And all you have to do is uh, connect with me, and let me give you the rules and regulations. Later on in this hour, we'll be joined by Andrew Giuliani's son, of my Kumbari Chich, Rudy Giuliani, that you can hear here every Monday through Friday from 3 to 4, and then naturally on Sunday mornings from 10 to 11 with Dr. Maria, uh, right before uh, the Saturday Night Live, uh, the judge. judge was on Saturday Night Live, at least uh, the actress who uh, uh, acts her part, Janine Pirro. And in listening to Janine a little bit today, between 11 and 12, I couldn't listen to the whole thing. She didn't even mention her starring role on Saturday Night Live opening up the show yesterday. Obviously, it wasn't Janine. But whichever actress, as part of the SNL troupe it was, did a damn good job. But no mention of that. But we'll take credit of that here at WABC. Since we are the number one news talk station in the nation that John Katsimatidis has put back on the map in giving you round-the-clock talk. Now, just think what it was like 
a while back. You would turn off on a Friday night, and you had no business turning in until Monday morning because it was all infomercials all the time, and I mean boring. And this uh, this great radio station with the iconic call letters, WABC, was in a, a death watch. Cumulus owned us at the time, and they really wanted no part of WABC. Uh, I was planning on starting to learn Mandarin, Cantonese, speak Yiddish, whatever, whatever foreign language station it would become, because uh, there were obviously foreign investors that wanted to buy the big stick in Lodi, New Jersey, which carries us into 38 states and parts of Canada at night. That's how powerful the 50,000 powerful watts of sound is. But I just have some rules and regulations that i got to lay down, because I've been listening to a lot of talk radio of late here at WABC and other stations, because I love talk radio. And there are some things that talk radio callers do. It's like a tick. It's like you can't seem to break the habit of it. And I had to listen to a lot of talk radio. First of all, because I love talk radio. Number two, I like to critique it like all of you do. And number three, I have this uh, fractured elbow that's causing me all kinds of grief and agita. And it sort of, at times, it adds to the pain because the calls are so lame. Or it actually softens the pain because the calls are quite good. So first off, when you're calling me up at 1-800-848-9222, that's 1-800-848-9222, please do not ask me how I'm doing. I know it's so typical. Every show I listen to, hey, how you doing? No, no, how you doing? Hey, the wife and kids okay? Yeah, uh, how, how's your son doing in school? Well, you had some problems. Well, you spend like you spend like two minutes doing an introduction of yourself as if you know the host or the hostess, as if they know you, and you know they're BSing you and you're BSing them. You're just buying time because you're nervous. So you don't have to be nervous with me. I'll handle you gently. And please, don't thank me for taking your freaking call. Uh, we're giving out the numbers. Like nonstop. You know, it's almost like I have Tourette's syndrome. 1 800 848 Like every two minutes or so, we give you the number. And so you finally call and you break through to the other side. And instead of just getting right into the subject matter, asking, How you doing? Thank you for taking my call. Well, what the hell do you think we're giving our number out for? Why do you think they call this talk radio? Because we're engaging with you. It's the most intimate form of radio. And so if you want to weigh in and have a two-cent plane on the Rittenhouse jury decision, or apparently this kookalamunga, we still don't know the motivation of this SUV, red SUV driver who plowed through this uh, Christmas parade in Waukesha, a town of about 75,000. Apparently 11 adults, 12 uh, children were transported to six hospitals. Uh, Don't know if anyone has perished yet. But man, it doesn't matter. Even though Waukesha is only about 75,000, this is like really, really, a treacherous story. You would almost think, is it on the aftermath of what happened in Kenosha? The jury decision of Babyface Rittenhouse? Is it individual? Is it just a nut job, screwball? Uh, or is it organized, an act of domestic terrorism or international terrorism? 1 800 848 9222. That's 1 800 849 2222. 
Later on the show, we're going to be talking with uh, Willie Brooks, longtime guardian angel of mine from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, who knows all about Kenosha. And it'll be interesting. I'll get him on the line to talk about what's going on as we speak in Waukesha and Wisconsin as it's dominating the news cycle. And he'll give it to you from an African-American perspective. And then my wife, Nancy, on the animal welfare issue, as she takes issue with Mike Humbarichich, Rudy Giuliani, who at the end of his show with uh, Dr. Maria, we're talking about the pigeons that are on the ledge here in the broadcast studio of WABC. They have returned when John Katsimatidis brought me back to these microphones over a week ago when I lost the mayoral election against Mayor-elect Eric Adams. So they are present now because they know I'm here. Dr. Maria loves them. Rudy Giuliani hates them, despises them, loathes them. So my wife, Nancy, who is like an international animal welfare expert and the reason that we live with 17 rescue cats in a 328-square-foot apartment in the Upper West Side, a studio apartment on the ground floor of 87th Street, uh, she'll explain why there is such love and hate For the bird, if I had been lucky enough to become mayor of the city of New York, I would have made officially the bird of New York City. It would have been on the official flag of New York City. Let's face it, there's nothing more synonymous with New York City than pigeons, or as Rudy Giuliani has described them, flying rats. And then I'm going to have to critique uh, my colleague here at WABC. Used to be the face and the voice of New York One when it first came on the air, Dominic Carter. Now does a great show at nights, five nights a week before the other side of midnight with uh, Frank Morano, who'll be coming in here at one. Dominic Carter tried to sing along with a song the other night. It was maybe the worst singing I've ever heard in the history of radio, and I've heard a lot in 30 years in talk radio. The man needs to save it for the shower stall in Ramapo out there in Rockland County. I mean, it was really bad. And then naturally, my continued battle with Mr. J.V. Frankie Russo, who's the J.V. member of the other side of uh, Midnight. Obviously, the senior member, the varsity member, is Frank Morano. And uh, Frankie Russo, he's just like, he's got this insatiable desire to take shots at me. And it's like I'm always punching down, you know. I'm always punching down at the guy. I don't get it. <laughs> Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So let me give you the update on Rittenhouse as we wait for more information coming from uh, what appears to be now multiple people who are dead as a result of that SUV crashing into that Christmas uh, parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Many injured, multiple dead persons. There is a person of interest in custody. Uh, We don't yet know the motivation or uh, who this person is or whether there were other people in this SUV. We'll obviously break into the show momentarily when that news is transmitted. But the continuation uh, of Rittenhouse, exonerated by a jury of his peers in in, uh, in a fashion that has been uh, either lionized by those on the right or demonized by those on the left. It's incredible how this has become a political issue, self-defense. 
So people who have taken a conservative point of view, they seem to be not only lionizing Rittenhouse and bestowing upon him heroic status, but those who are opposed to the jury's finding are not only demonizing him, but basically calling him a heel and an enemy of society. And I scratched my head and I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. How did this become so political? And then I noticed that there are a lot of uh, elected officials in the House, Republicans, who are deciding, oh, oh, let me jump on the Rittenhouse bandwagon and invite him to come to work for me as an intern in the House of Representatives. There's um, (laughs) two in particular, Uh, Republican Congressman Paul Gosser, you know, him and his mimes, and Matt Getz. Uh, I would say you don't need to be doing that. He's not going to be coming into the House of Representatives working as an intern. But then you have other groups that are saying that Rittenhouse, his acquittal is tied to the systemic racism that exists in America. And I don't know how this is systemic racism because last time I watched those videos, and I watched them again and again and again, you had Rittenhouse who clearly is the baby face, white boy, taking that AR-15, shooting another white guy, Rosenbaum, shooting the skateboarder, and then shooting the guy who is a self-described person of interest uh, who uh, was reporting to the American Civil Liberties Union. In another instance, he is a medic. In another instance, he was a pistol carrier. In another instance, he was a reporter for a left-wing outlet. Anyway, he ended up getting shot also. He didn't die. The other two did. But unless my mind is deceiving me and I have a strong case of glaucoma now or, I don't know, uh, what my grandfather used to have, which was uh, uh, inability to see when he got much, much over with cataracts. All four of these guys are white. How the hell? Is this an example of systemic racism? Love to talk with any of you who could cue me in on that. Uh, Let's check out the phones right now and go to Giuseppe, who's first up on the line in Manhattan. Welcome. This is Curtis Sliwa here. It's Sunday night. I'll be taking you to one in the morning before Frank Morano on the other side of midnight. You are on WABC. Your turn to be heard, Giuseppe. Oh, it's a Gary. Oh, wait a second. This is uh, Sabatucci. Uh, this is uh, uh, a switcheroonie. Hey, Gary, are you on the line? Good evening, uh, Curtis. Uh, yeah, a comment on that show you do earlier with the aggressive progressive, whatever you call himself there. Chris, Chris any, Hahn. Chris Hahn. Yeah, I didn't see any fire in the belly, and I was looking for a little more uh, going at it sort of thing, a little more aggression. And I feel like you two, you two guys play too nice. And, uh, oh, 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 hold on a second. So we had the aggressive, progressive Chris Hahn and yours truly for two hours, three to five. And you're accusing me of going soft on him? Is this, is this what you're saying, Gary? Are you accusing me of wimping out to him? I'm not saying the word accusing. That's your word. I just didn't see any fire in the belly. I thought you two gentlemen were polite with each other. And if you have to show you say, nice show, great show, what is this? Oh, oh, wait. Whoa, whoa. Where's the fire in the belt? Oh, oh, so I should have hit him when he wasn't looking, right? I should have hit him below the belt, hit him in the gonads, 
hit him so hard that his mother would have felt the vibrations. Right, Gary? No, I think he could have gone a little more to the table and been a lot more aggressive. All right. Well, look, I am open to constructive criticism. I know that many of you have been holding on the line. Uh, who love WABC like I do, and you listen to it morning, noon, and night. We praise all of you enthusiastically because, let's face it, if you're watching TV, you become like a vegetable. If you're listening to FM radio, FM stands for feeble-minded, freaking morons, fornicating madly, and free marijuana, of which you can just walk the streets of New York City and smell, smell. The stench of marijuana everywhere. It's like, I don't know what they're smoking, ragweed or whatever, but I mean, it is nasty out there. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here, hold on. Ah, here we go. I had to switch microphones. We had a meltdown from one. It's probably because uh, when I heard my friend from Inwood disparage me, claiming that I got weak and soft, versus Chris Hahn, the aggressive progressive against yours truly, earlier today from three to five, that meltdown translated right into the panel that has all the phone calls listed. So my apologies are in order. We'll have to get the um, the disquantificator fixed. See, the disquantificator is positioned on top of this building, our brand-new studios. And if it's directed to the east, we get a lot of interference. If it's directed to the west, we don't. And I think what happened is it suffered a meltdown when I had a meltdown. That's right, the disquantificator. Those of you who grew up reading Popular Mechanics know exactly what I'm talking about. Meantime, the big story... That occurred right before I took to the airs. Waukesha, Wisconsin, population 73,000. When I was in Waukesha, and it wasn't there for long, it's best known it was sort of um, the place where the abolition movement in Wisconsin developed. They had a newspaper there, one of the first abolition uh, newspapers uh, in America long before the Civil War started over slavery. But it's like an all-American city. It, uh, Kenosha actually is the largest, uh, 150,000. And before that, remember the lead story two weeks ago was Aaron Rodgers from Green Bay, which only has 100,000 people, even though it has a National Football League uh, franchise. So let's go to the phones. The update is apparently there are 11 adults, 12 children who have been injured, multiple uh, people who are dead. When a red SUV went crashing through their annual, I will call it a Christmas parade. Others call it a holiday parade. Uh, A a suspect is in custody. We don't know what the motivation is, if it had anything to do in the aftermath of uh, the jury's decision in Kenosha, Kenosha, the free written house of all charges. I doubt there's a connection there. But then again, could just be a loony kazooning. It could have something to do with uh, an act of domestic terrorism or international terrorism. The book is still open on that. We'll feed you more details as they come in. Let's go to Joel, who's calling from the uh, Upper West Side. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Joel. Good evening, and welcome back. Good to have you back in the chair there. Um, and by the way, I just want to mention I supported your campaign, monetarily-wise. 
Oh, thank um, you. Thank you. Thank you're you. welcome. Yeah. I think that you made a difference, even though you're not going to be moving to Gracie Mansion, because I think you made the other side move more towards the center and make think think more practically. That's what I think. Well, I needed Gracie Mansion for all my rescue cats and the rescue dogs that I wanted to put in the front yard. I really did. I know. Sometimes I wonder how how you deal with all that cat litter. Well, we'll we'll talk to my wife later on, twelve midnight, as she takes on my Kumbari Cheech, Rudy Giuliani, who hates pigeons, and she loves pigeons. <laughs> all right, we'll talk to her then. Anyway, I just wanted to, to chime in on the Rittenhouse decision. Here's what I see: I see uh, we have uh, a judicial system where you have jury. You have to sit on a jury duty now, and then I got called in again. Or, or will be soon because send me the, the the crazy letter that says I have to do it every six years or whatever. But people sit on these things and they are grown adults and they make decisions all on their own, twelve of them. And then the media pisses and moans when it doesn't go their way. Yeah. Well, the other thing is we haven't yet really heard from the uh, jury members. We haven't heard them sort of tell us exactly. Uh, what transpired there. But I will tell you this, uh, having been through four, count them, four federal trials against John Gotti Jr., who was charged with uh, my attempted murder and my kidnap, four, uh, oftentimes whoever is the leader of the jury, they select the jury foreman, could be a man, could be a woman, can in many instances steer a jury in one direction or another direction. It has happened before. And it would be interesting to see if they had any doubts amongst themselves and if they took an initial vote and if it wasn't a slam dunk to release uh, Babyface uh, Rittenhouse on all five charges. Anyway, let's go, if we can, to uh, John, who's calling all the way from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Johnny. Hello, Curtis. How are you tonight? I am so hold happy. Hold on, hold on. Put, 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 put John down a second. Hold on. Marana, my, is this guy a stunad? He must be a Gabon. I told you what the rules and regulations are. I know other hosts and hostesses, they don't tell you that because they're just so happy anybody calls them. You know, <laughs> they're just so happy that anybody calls them. But you asked... You put John up a second. You started by asking, how am I doing, right, John? Huh, John? Yes, I did. I apologize. Okay, all right. I take your apologies, but I'm going to answer you. I've had better days. So then now what you have to do is you have to say, thank you for taking my call. Why the hell would I thank I, you? I do apologize. Okay. I wasn't listening earlier. All right, now, do you? Uh, when's the last time you've been to a novena? Uh, about three years ago. God, you're going to burn in hell. But anyway, I want you to go to a novena tomorrow night at your local parish church. I want you to do a Stations of the Cross. I want you to do ten Our Fathers and five Hail Marys. Well, I don't know if they do Stations during during, uh, Advent. Hold on a second. Are you questioning my Roman Catholicism ability to have read as I did from the, the Baltimore Catechism? Not just any catechism, the Baltimore Catechism when I was a child at St. Matthew's Elementary School right there in Eastern Parkway on Utica Avenue in St. John's Place? Not at all. But I went to Roman Catholic 
grammar school in the early 70s in the Bronx. Did the nuns hit you with that three-foot ruler? Well, a little bit. Well, I'll tell you why, because, John, you're showing the effects. So many years later, it's post-traumatic shock from the nun. Probably clipped him with that three-foot ruler. He's never recovered since. He's going to question me about Advent. Me! An AMP Catholic. Ashes on Wednesday, palms on Sunday. Then you don't see me for a month of Sundays. <sighs> the guy, the chutzpah, that guy. How the hell did I mix Yiddish in with Catholic theological interpretations? Only Curtis Sliwa has the ability to do that, right? Anyway, let's go to Drew, who's calling from White Plains. Uh, your turn to be heard here on WABC, Drew. Um, as far as the written house case, I want to make this clear. You know, self-defense is self-defense, and I think we need to make it clear. But what I think is also clear is, is two different um, justice systems for different people in this country. And I think one of my first experiences with that was on the Diallo case which your combiner Cheech and Governor Pataki had the Diallo case. After the cops were indicted in the Bronx, they moved the case to Albany, which I could never understand, but that was to get the cops out of trouble, you know, because if that case would have went to trial in the Bronx, they probably would have been convicted. To watch somebody walk away after shooting a man 41 times and for, you know, Giuliani and Pataki to stand by the cops, I think right then and there, I just, I, I viewed the justice system totally different for how it treats African-Americans. And then right after that, Patrick Dorisman was killed, who was a security guard, when the cops roughed him up and stuff like that. You know, I have a totally different perception on how the justice system works in the Giuliani years in office because of things like that. Now, we all know de Blasio was a horrible mayor. That's not up for debate. And I think you ran an excellent campaign down the center and included everybody. But I don't think Rittenhouse should have been found guilty. It's just, to me, the justice system works in two different ways. And every time I hear Giuliani get on the WABC and question the Babbitt shooting, but was the same guy who stood by the cops on the Diallo shooting, I mean, my head explodes. Well, interesting, Drew, because uh, we will be listening to his son coming up who's running for the Republican nomination to become the next governor of the state of New York. But I remember Amadou Diallo. He had come home. He was a vendor, I believe, at 14th Street, not far from 1st Avenue. Was going up the steps of his apartment, had turned. There was the uh, street crime unit out at the time. Uh, had a wallet in his hand, and he was shot multiple times. More than 40 times. Bruce Springsteen uh, did a song about that. Dead. Uh, that led to the street crime unit no longer existing. Uh, it was replaced by the anti-crime unit, which uh, Eric Adams, uh, mayor-elect, wants to put back in with reforms. But you're right. Uh, those that were charged with the shooting of Amadou Diallo, it was determined that they could not get a fair trial in the Bronx, so the venue was moved up to Albany. Although it did have an interracial jury, uh, the jury came back and exonerated the cops. I think two of whom, or one of them, became a firefighter eventually. Not quite sure what became of all of them. But boy, that certainly uh, stirred up a hornet's nest in terms of uh, 
lethal use of force by police. And then the Patrick Dorisman case, which led to uh, clashes in the streets where he was from. I believe he was from uh, near Church Avenue in Flatbush, although that situation occurred outside of a bar, a jiggle wiggle bar. Uh, which I believe was right on either 7th Avenue or 8th Avenue off of, like, West 36th Street. Oh, I remember it well. It was an intense time, and it was demonstration de jour. Every other day there was a demonstration. Anyway, up next, he is the son of Rudy Giuliani, Michael Mbaricic, and he is running for the Republican nomination to become the next governor of the state of New York. I believe the Republican uh, statewide convention is at the end of January, early February. And then they got to go to paper and collect uh, petitions. And I guess he gets resolved in uh, the middle of March or April, those who qualify. You have the congressman from Long Island. You have Rob Astorino, former Westchester County executive. And you have uh, Andrew Giuliani. We'll uh, ask Andrew to weigh in on the Rittenhouse decision that took place uh, in Kenosha. And then also we'll give you any other updates uh, coming from Waukesha, Wisconsin, where uh, there were multiple fatalities uh, right before the show after an SUV, a red SUV, tore through the annual um, holiday parade or what I call the Christmas parade. It's a town of 75,000, very old school. Uh, have no idea. Apparently, there is a suspect uh, who has been detained. Uh, no idea if there's any connection to the jury decision uh, in the Rittenhouse case, uh, whether it has to do with an act of domestic terrorism or international terrorism, or if it's just another schoolball doing things that defy logic here in the good old U.S. of A. Red Apple Media is an equal opportunity employer. Any community organization or educational institution that maintains a job bank, provides career information or job referrals, may ask to receive information about openings at Talk Radio 77 WABC in New York City and Talk Radio 1071 WLIR in Hampton Bays. For further info, job developers and career advisors should visit wabcradio.com backslash careers. That's wabcradio.com backslash careers. Entertaining and informative. Curtis Lewa, Talk Radio 77 WABC. On the line right now, as promised, uh, Andrew Giuliani, son of my Kumbaricic, Rudy Giuliani, and candidate for the Republican nomination to become the next governor of the state of New York. Thanks for joining us tonight, Andrew. Curtis, I'm not going to ask how you're doing. I'm just going to assume that you're doing okay and you're doing pretty well right there. And on Pigeon Gate right there, I'm going to refer to my father on that one. I have not seen the pigeons, and because of that, I'm going to ultimately let him make the call on that one right there. But I'm doing well. It's good to talk with you. Andrew, it should be a a, a major bout tonight at 12 midnight. Your father weighs in on how he hates the street pigeons. He calls them flying rats. And my wife, Nancy, Miss Animal Welfare Activist, uh, uh, is defending the pigeons. If I was lucky enough to be having become mayor of the city of New York, I would have made it the official bird of New York City, and it would have been on the the flag of New York City. Should... Well, there's 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 no doubt they're synonymous in New York City. We see them everywhere. That's for sure. They are ubiquitous. We can all agree on that. True. Now, uh, first, let's talk about the uh, jury decision on Rittenhouse. 
and all uh, the responses that you've heard from, and what uh, is your individual response to that jury decision to exonerate him on all charges? Well, I think it was accurate, and I just think about all of the different uh, all the different ways the media misled in this trial. You know, everything from carrying a gun across state lines. He did not carry a gun across state lines. That gun was in Wisconsin, and it stayed in Wisconsin right there. The fact that he was attacked um, multiple times throughout all this, right? A, a terrible tragedy, obviously, that happened. Uh, but, but I think the, the jury verdict was, was accurate. And I think uh, you, have a, you have a man who's innocent there. Uh, and I think the jury uh, ultimately ended up proving that. I'm very interested to see what ends up happening now uh, coming through with, with any future cases and to see if there is any libel cases, whether it be against the media or even against some public officials potentially even the president of the United States who went out there and called him things such as a white supremacist. I haven't seen anything that would, uh, that would suggest that he is a white supremacist. Now, Andrew Giuliani, you have uh, visited so many of the counties, many of them upstate. I believe there's, what, a total of 62 in New York State? You've got it, 62 counties, 50, 57 outside of the five boroughs. So. Lucky I got that right. I got the Jeopardy question. But... I've been upstate, not as much as you because you're running for statewide office. But I remember, other than seeing people commit uh, crimes like cow tipping, uh, generally seeing sometimes young men carrying rifles, especially during hunting season. And nobody seemed to be bent out of shape at all, whereas you're from the city, I'm from the city. If we were to see that, we'd be like in shock. Well, Curtis, I think of it this way, right? If, if there's a hunting rifle, if somebody's walking a hunting rifle through Times Square, it's probably very different than if they're walking a hunting rifle through Hamilton County, which is a population of 4,500 people. So uh, obviously, as, as we live in such a dense area, it's a very, very different thing if you see a hunting rifle in New York City versus in most of the counties in New York State. Um, but one of the things that I will say about, you know, one of the things that the national media, I know your campaign focused on so well, uh, is New York and how it's been slipping from a crime perspective. Well, the truth is, this is not just exclusive to the five boroughs. Rochester, if your listeners hadn't seen, just on Friday, they ended up reaching a record high in recorded history, 70 murders this year in the city of Rochester. There's been no other year on record where there have been that many murders in Rochester. Buffalo is approaching a record high in murder rates. Albany, violent crime of 50%. And the consistent thing across the entire state, Curtis, as you know, has been cashless bail. It has been a disaster for New York State, not just for the five boroughs, but all across our great state. Well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned Rochester. It's uh, fallen on hard times, as so many of the big uh, urban areas throughout the state of New York have. Uh, but for a city of about 200,000 to have that many murders yeah. supersedes yeah. what we're going through here in New York. We're a city of 8 million people, right? We have uh, like 330 murders at this point before the new year. They have 70 murders already, multiple shootings in a city of just 200,000. It's under a crime emergency and nobody's paying attention to it. That's exactly right. And and I think it's one of those things, again, as I said, we focus, and obviously we focus, right? We're, you know, you're, you're based in New York City. You ran for New York City mayor. You have been the voice of WABC for, for decades in New York City. So rightfully, you focused on New York City. But I think it's very important 
that we highlight that this is not something that's exclusive to New York City. If you ultimately are going to strip the judicial system the way that they did uh, in this uh, in this piece of legislation that turned into law, that our former governor, your friend, Andrew Cuomo, signed into law, I obviously being facetious and calling him <laughs> your friend right there, um, then uh, I think it's just very important that New Yorkers and all Americans understand that this is not something that's exclusive to New York City, not exclusive to the cities in New York State. This is all across our country. Well, now, just speaking of the difference in New York State as you campaign in all 62 counties, downstate here, if you were to do a poll, most people are in favor of the mandates and requiring that you have to get a vaccine, although, obviously, you've been part of demonstrations, I have, in which we are opposed to that uh, enforced mandate. Yet you go upstate, and there people seem to be more riled up, more rebellious at government enforcing upon them the fact that they have to take a vaccine or that their children have to wear masks in school. Why do you think there's such a different mentality upstate as opposed to the kind of attitude here downstate? I think you highlighted it. I think that uh, certainly in many of the 62 counties, there is this resistance to government telling them uh, that they need to get this vaccine. I think one of the things that I hear consistently all across is an example of why this may not necessarily be based solely on the science is why natural immunity is not being considered. Also, in looking at some of these younger children that now, uh, you know, we may be uh, approaching a mandate for these children to get this in schools, potentially, uh, there's the question of why do these kids need to ultimately get this if it affects such a small percentage of these children? So I think really what I'm hearing more than anything else uh, is we want the data to lead the way on this. Uh, natural immunity should be considered. We need to consider whether or not the solution is actually worse than the problem. Myocarditis being something potentially for smaller kids. Curtis, as you know, I am not a doctor. But guess what? That's why you should not be listening to politicians on this. You should be listening to your doctor, and the government should not be involved in mandating this. There should be a decision between you, your doctor, and your family. Well, Andrew Giuliani, earlier today, owner-operator of WABC, talk show host of his own right, John Katsimatidis informed me that the FDA now wants 55 years to process a Freedom of Information request over vaccine data. That means they don't want to have to provide any data until 55 years from now. Now, the people who were filing the Freedom of Information Act were not anti-vaxxers. They actually wanted the information to be able to show people, oh, you see, the vaccine is safe. Now, they're even stumbling and mumbling like, why wouldn't you provide this data so we could reassure the public that the vaccine is safe? 55 years they want to hold out. And Curtis, this should be about transparency. That's what this needs to be about. If we're going to ultimately make decisions about what's going into our body, about safety, transparency has to has to lead the way here. I think that's one of the things you did so well on your mayoral campaign. It wasn't about politics. Obviously, you ran as a Republican, and I'm running as a Republican. Uh, but for you, you, you were able to to bring New Yorkers, I think, together in a way. Uh, that was exclusive of politics here. When it comes to science, it is far more important than politics 
to make sure that we are allowing the data to lead the way, regardless of whether you're red or blue, conservative or liberal. And the fact that they want to hold out 55 years is a real problem, real problem. Well, Andrew Giuliani, I want to salute you because you were one of the few Republicans who didn't run away from me when I was running for mayor. There were a host of Republicans who actually did not want to be seen with me because my fellow Republicans went more out of their way to cause problems in my campaign than my Democratic adversaries. And I noticed that that's happening with your own gubernatorial run. Well, what we've what we've tried to do, and I think what's very important, uh, and I think this is something that you highlighted in the mayoral race. I want the 2.9 million registered Republicans in New York State to make the decision on who their candidate is going to be. I don't want a backroom deal in Albany because the truth is, if we end up having a candidate based solely on a backroom deal in Albany, we're not going to get the best representation of our party of New Yorkers, I believe. So and also, Curtis, I mean, you know, look, the 1989 campaign, I was 32 years old. I was a real young boy at that time. But I remember you standing up there with my father. And by then, I don't know how many times uh, you had been uh, had been attacked, uh, attempted in terms of the stabbings and the shootings and all that stuff. So I remember my friends and uh, Curtis, I certainly am proud to call you a friend. Well, now, Andrew, if people would like to learn more about your campaign to win the Republican nomination for the governorship here in New York and then go on in the general election to defeat whoever survives the uh, Democratic Party process, how can they get more information, Andrew? Well, thanks for asking, Curtis. Go to nyforgiuliani.com, and you can Google Giuliani if you can't spell it because it's uh, it's out there. But people misspell it all the time, nyforgiuliani.com. Curtis, also some exciting news. A couple weeks ago in our most recent Siena poll uh, had us up 15 points for the nomination. So I think the fact that we are hustling around the state, it's tough to keep up with you, Curtis. That's one of the things that I realized in getting to hit the trail a little bit with you. There's nobody that has more energy than you do, but I'm trying. You are you are certainly a good, a good role model in terms of keeping going, and we are going to continue to work this state as hard as we can over the next 300 and 40-something days. i got to look exactly what the calendar is, but it's 340-plus days until November 8th and next year. Yeah, let me, uh, let me describe for many listeners, uh, Andrew Giuliani is a great retail campaigner, even better than his father, because as you mentioned, I was out with your father, two separate runs, the one he lost to David Dinkins and the one he won. But you're like, when you see a crowd, you look at it like it's a mosh pit. You dive right in. I've never seen you dive right in. You're high-fiving. People are giving you the finger. You're trying to convince them right there. They're screaming invectives or they're patting you on the back so hard you got to go for a chiropractic adjustment. And you're like in the middle of a mosh pit. You're loving every second of it. Well, I think just like you, Curtis, right, the truth is the thing about this thing that I love more than anything else is I love people. And I love being around people. So for me, it's, it's exciting when we get to go to do stuff. I remember specifically uh, when Italy won the European Championships. And we were in, we were in Brooklyn, we were in Bensonhurst, and, and it was just an absolute blast. And you had 2,500, 3,000 people on the street there watching the game, celebrating. Uh, and to me, I, I enjoy that stuff. And I know you enjoy that stuff. So for me, I really love being able to just talk to people and listen to them and hearing what the issues are. Uh, because I obviously really believe that this 
this campaign is about three things. I don't want to get too deep into it, but it's about education. It's about our quality of life and getting crime down. And it's about making sure that New York is economically competitive with states like Florida rather than California. But guess what? You're going to be talking to people every day to make sure that you are actually hitting on the issues that are important to them. And what better opportunity to actually get on the streets and do that? There's nobody, by the way, who does that better than Curtis Lee. Well, let me tell you something, Andrew. <laughs> you're out there. You're diving into that mosh pit. Uh, just continue on because in poll after poll so far, Andrew Giuliani is the leader of the pack. There's three guys running for the Republican nomination to become the next governor. And so far in the two polls I've seen, Andrew Giuliani is way ahead. Okay, girls, ready to go? Yeah! Mom, I'm hungry. Can I have a snack? Me too, Mommy. You want a snack? Yeah! Got it? Children learn from our behaviors. Mommy, can you open this, All right, hold on one second. Okay. Okay, here. Thank you. They learn what is okay from the adults they see. Mommy, are you on your phone? If you're a distracted driver, chances are... They will be too. What kind of driver are you raising? Funded by the Governor's Traffic Safety Committee. When you support City Harvest, you do more than just provide hundreds of millions of pounds of food to millions of hungry New Yorkers. You feed hope for a kid up in Parkchester. You feed confidence for a first-in-her-family Queens College freshman. You feed community for folks in Canarsie Park. You feed compassion for retired Staten Island nurses who continue to serve. You feed strength for office workers in Manhattan. When you support City Harvest, you feed good. Support us at cityharvest.org. The founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. Back to the phones we go. It's Peter, who's uh, been patiently waiting on the line from Forest Hills. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pete. Yeah, Curtis, when I'm, what I'm curious about is how come there was a black minister at the court every single day. Well, now, I don't understand that at all. Well, well, I'll give you an example. Um, in Kenosha, you mean, in the case uh, against Babyface Rittenhouse, uh, I noticed they allowed almost everybody into the courtroom. In the trial that is down in Georgia, uh, which uh, will have even more dire ramifications because that jury has got to find these three guys guilty, especially the father and son who shot and killed the black jogger. Uh, a number of black reverends attempted to uh, sit, as they have a right to do, uh, one uh, Jesse Jackson, the other Al Sharpton, some other local reverends, and they were asked to leave. They have a right to sit there and view the proceedings. Uh, why, why do you find that odd? Well, because it was, it was not a it was not a black issue. It was, there was there, there was no problem with any kind of discrimination here. Yeah, but to so, view a you know, trial, you don't have to be a person of any color. You don't have to be religious or unreligious. Sometimes there are people who just come because they're interested in observing what's going on in a trial. I'm sure uh, that there was a reason the black minister in Kenosha was there. But he have he had every right in the world to be in that courtroom oh. as uh, Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton and other black reverends had to be in that courtroom down in Georgia in the uh, case of the murder of Aubrey. You have three white guys, a father and a son, who jumped in uh, their SUV, tracked him down, 
claimed that they were utilizing self-defense. Another guy had joined them from the uh, Department of Justice, although he apparently was just filming it. They claimed that Aubrey had reached for the gun, and that's why they shot and killed him. That jury has got to find these guys guilty. (laughs) There's no way in that. Now, I could easily see nearby Atlanta and some of those other cities having serious civil unrest if that jury decides to exonerate, especially the father and the son, who uh, were mostly responsible for tracking down Aubrey and then for killing him. But that's the next trial up in the docket. In fact, I think uh, final arguments are being made tomorrow. Jury will probably not start deliberating down in that courthouse in Georgia until probably after Thanksgiving. But, boy, if that jury comes back and exonerates the father and son and the other individual who was with them on all charges, I could easily see major, major problems. Anyway, let's go to Mike, who's calling from West Milford. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Mikey. Hey, Curtis, thanks for taking my call. You're a fine American. Uh, Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Thanks for taking my call. So, see, that's the second strike. Mike, he didn't ask me how I'm doing. Because naturally, you know what I would have said. How am I doing? I've had better days. But he did thank me for taking his call. I must have, in this first hour, given our number out. 1-800-848-9222, at least eight or ten times, right? At least eight or ten times. That means I'm soliciting, soliciting for you to call up. So why, in heaven's name, Mike, would you thank me for taking your call? I don't even know who you are. Because you're a fine American. Well, okay, I'll accept that compliment. I am an American. Some would say... I'm not a very fine American. Others would say, oh, you're a great American, but I'll accept that. But you understand the rules. And now I do. Okay, all right, all right, all right. A little constructive criticism there. And your point about the verdict. So my question is, if you can help me straighten this out, when people like to say that Kyle Rittenhouse's case was systemic racism, as I, as I was taught, Systemic racism when, is when Democrats use the red line and keep the black community in poverty. So how is this case systemic racism? Maybe you can help me, to, help me out with this because I don't understand why they keep saying that. Well, it's interesting because the FBI did a deep dive into the background of Rittenhouse. He's only 17, so he hasn't lived much of a life. But with social networking now, man, that tells the whole story. They went into all of his uh, social networking vehicles. Uh, he was not a racist. He wasn't dropping the N-bomb. He didn't say, gee, I got me an AR-15. I want to go out and shoot uh, a black guy or a Hispanic guy or a person of color. You know, none of that. Apparently, the only thing that came out of his social networking ability was uh, he felt he wanted at one point possibly to be a cop. Uh, he supported Back the Blue. Uh, he was not... Uh, uh, he was not negative towards Black Lives Matter or any other organization. It seemed he was pretty apolitical. Now, since the trial, I guarantee you he will develop a political edge because the folks on the right are cultivating him and lionizing him as a hero. The folks on the left are demonizing him and turning him into a heel and a racist. Now, 
He's not a racist. You may argue with what he decided to do to go out with that AR-15. But there's nothing in anything he said or written or reflected that he was going out there in a racist mentality. And the bottom line is he shot and killed two white guys, injured another white guy. And I believe, although I stand to be corrected, he fired an additional two shots and another white guy just didn't hit him. A guy who had originally, I think, threw a spinning hit, uh, hook kick, hit him, and then fled. What I don't understand is, after he shoots the guy Rosenbaum, shoots him four times, people are watching the guy get shot. They continue to run towards Rittenhouse. You know, that's almost like suicide by gun. Sometimes what happens when the cops surround somebody and they pull their guns out and then a the guy does like a charge, you know, sort of like a kamikaze charge. It's like, why the hell would you be chasing somebody who just shot in front of you a guy four times who fell to the ground, and now you're going to continue the chase, and all you have is a skateboard in your hand? And you're going to clip him with the skateboard, and you're not going to think that he's going to shoot you? What was going on? I think that guy, a little bit too much puff, puff, pass. You know, those skateboarders. (laughs) That's a strange breed to me. And then the guy, I don't know what he is, the guy who actually gave testimony that helped Rittenhouse, although he didn't mean to do that, when he said as a self-appointed medic, a self-appointed observer for the American Civil Liberties Union, a self-appointed journalist, uh, he was carrying a pistol, a loaded pistol, uh, in which the permit uh, was outdated, and he aimed it at Rittenhouse, and then Rittenhouse shot him. So it's almost like Rittenhouse got to jump on him before he could shoot Rittenhouse. I don't see any systemic racism in any of that. Let's quickly go, if we can, to uh, Ted in Forest Hills also. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ted. The hell oh, you thank re- you very much. My God, what are you wrestling over there with the phone? Uh, no, I, I just uh, was doing some push-ups. Oh, wow. Uh, Man, can you, you do know, the I meet you a lot of times on Metropolitan and Selfridge Street. And I helped do again on the Memorial Day. Yeah, but hold on a second. Uh, can you do the one-handed push-ups? Uh, no, no. Two, can how many can you do? Two. How many can you do, Ted? Uh, I can do 26. 26? And how old are you, Ted? Uh, 74. 74. And how tall are you and how much do you weigh? I weigh, uh, I'm 5'8". I shrunk three uh, inches and I weigh 190. My my. You're good. You're all, not as good as Jack Pellas. Well, I was in the Air Force for 25 years. You, you know, if you in basic training, uh, uh, okay, boys. Well, you see, you I like this. Immediately, I, 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 I like this. I want to I suggest to Ted that this is what you all do. You do calisthenics and isometrics. Remember, the great Jack LaLanne. He used to do a TV show in the morning. That's right, when the roosters would come out and go, cock-a-doodle-doo, wake everybody up in the morning. After they would have the farmer's report, then it would be Jack Lane with a simple chair doing calisthenics and isometrics. Here's Ted utilizing his time, not fumbling and mumbling, but he's doing push-ups, 26 push-ups at the age of 74 while hanging on the phone to talk to me. I think doing the push-ups are more important than actually talking to me. Anyway, uh, we're going to continue uh, with the Rittenhouse verdict, give you updates uh, that are coming uh, from that town in uh, Wisconsin, Waukesha, 
where an SUV plowed into a Christmas parade. The founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. Yeah, I don't know what it's uh, about Wisconsin. They've scored the trifecta, the trinity, the troika of stories in the last two weeks. As you remember, coming out of Green Bay, it's only a town of 100,000, even though it has an NFL franchise. And um, as you know, Aaron Rodgers, what, what, fib, white lie, didn't tell the truth, uh, said he was immunized, he hadn't been vaccinated, then he was uh, found to have uh, coronavirus. And, you know, that took on a life of its own, became a national story beyond just sports. Then we saw the verdict of Babyface Rittenhouse in Kenosha, all five charges the jury exonerated him on. Oh, there were predictions that there would be riots, insurrection. There were more reporters outside of that courthouse than there were supporters of Rittenhouse and detractors. Supporters of BLM and Antifa and supporters of militia groups on the other side. There were so few that yeah, they figured, okay, when they get off of work, though, tonight, they'll be rolling up the interstate from Chicago, from Racine, from Madison, from Milwaukee. Nothing. Nothing. I had predicted that because there was no tidal wave at, at this time. It was just the jury decision comes, and it's not like people were mobilizing all over the place. Now, the other story is Waukesha, a town of 75,000 right outside of Milwaukee. They had their annual, I call it Christmas parade. Some have renamed it the holiday parade, in which uh, some guy in a red SUV plowed into the crowd of watchers and paraders and apparently uh, upwards of uh, 20, 20 uh, people were hit and seriously injured. Uh, and um, uh, they were taken to the hospital. Some have died, multiple fatalities. And it may well have been now that the uh, sheriff's department is saying that this red SUV was involved in another crime. And as part of its getaway, went right through this parade. Now, I don't know. That would be pretty lame. Okay, even if it was a carjacking or something else, you committed a crime somewhere else. You're going to drive up the street while a parade is in progress if you're trying to make a uh, getaway? I don't necessarily buy that, but any updates will obviously break into programming and update you on that. The story, though, uh, that we're still, still debating is the jury's decision to exonerate Babyface Rittenhouse on all five of the charges that he was facing and what has occurred. If you remember in the courthouse, uh, Rittenhouse uh, was trembling. He then fainted, picked himself up, and ran right out the door, man. He was gone. He did the bird. He wasn't waiting around. I guess he felt there would be a mob with pitchforks out there. There was nobody. Nobody out there. They were all reporters. But he jumps in an SUV. I don't know if he was going back to his mom's home in Antioch, Illinois, another small town. I think they only got like 15,000 people. And then he did a preliminary interview with Tucker Carlson, in which I saw it and I said, hmm, not good optics. Kid is smiling from ear to ear. And I understand <laughs> you could have been doing triple life without parole. But this is like your first mini TV appearance. Two guys are dead. Another's injured. You just uh, beat the odds. 
a jury decision. They didn't find you guilty on any charges. Not a time to be smiling. But then again, he's an 18-year-old kid. I don't know who was giving him advice. But apparently uh, for the Fox News channel, there has been a film crew in tow filming him all along the way prior to the jury's decision and wherever his safe house is now. And Tucker will have that exclusive interview with him tomorrow night. I would have suggested if I were an advisor uh, to uh, Rittenhouse, don't do any interviews. No. Just stay. Stay away from any cameras. Show humility. Show that you're not the monster that some people want to make you out to be, that you're certainly not a racist. But let others argue on your behalf. You're not going to be the best argument. And I think maybe part of that was that he did such a good job uh, testifying on his own behalf. You know, you, you start believing the headlines. It's a whole different world. I don't care who these reporters are. They are going to use you and abuse you. In a few months, you're going to be a person of no consequence, especially if you get into trouble. It could be just mama drama or anything like that. Nothing having to do with this case. Remember. Think back to that Looney Kazuni Zimmerman who killed Trayvon Martin. And they lionized him. And he was being interviewed all over the place. And you could tell the guy was uh, titched. The guy had problems, right? He got into all kind of personal problems. Man, in this case, Rittenhouse should have been in a safe house. Should have been Operation Hush Hush Mush Mush. Nobody gets to interview him. He had a spokesperson who did a relatively good job all through the process, or even his mother, although I would have advised not having the mother speak on his behalf. But they've decided to do this, and the floodgates are going to open, and then naturally everyone's either trying to take advantage of uh, this young man, exploit him, uh, or uh, demonize him. This is what's going to happen now. Although I will tell you that part of the case that was most troubling for me wasn't even... Uh, what happened in the streets, because I've been in enough riots myself, I kind of understand the dynamics of it. Uh, it wasn't even during the process uh, in which the jury was uh, sort of sorting through information and then eventually going to the jury box and coming out with their decision. It was when the pillow guy and uh, Ricky Schroeder, I, I, I really, I thought Ricky Schroeder was dead. Some Something told me that Ricky Schroeder was dead, but he's obviously not dead. And he... Uh, he gave up, what, a million dollars from, what, Silver Spoons, I think. Remember, he was on Silver Spoons. I thought he was dead, but he was alive. He put up a million dollars. The pillow guy put up a million dollars, sprung them from jail, sprung uh, Rittenhouse from jail. I would have thought his mother would have kept him under house arrest. And she took him to Pudgy's, a dive, outside of Racine, a gin mill. You know how you know it's a dive? <laughs> because they have advertisements outside. Big signs that say, Old Milwaukee. Man, you drink that stuff, it eats your your insides out. <laughs> Old style. Maybe the cheapest beer possible. And he's knocking back the whole style. And they're photobombing him. And then a bunch of white boys come up to him and they're making hand signs, like gang signs. Some people say it's Proud Boy signs, whatever it is. And they're singing songs. And he's got a big, dumb grin on his face. And I'm saying... Mama Rittenhouse, what the hell are you taking your son to this gin mill outside of a scene? This dive could have been just a simple fight or a dispute. Why would you do that? I thought that was crazy. Anyway, let's go to the phones. Also, we'll be talking to Willie Brooks. Uh, Help years ago informing the Guardian Angels uh, in Milwaukee, in the hood. 
He's a uh, brother who's going to come to us uh, with his own evaluation since he lives there. Maybe he can give us an update on what's going on at Waukesha. Man, I'm getting calls here from Wisconsin. All of a sudden, all the people I met in Wisconsin over the years during the 80s, they've all suddenly decided that they know Curtis Lee. Anyway, let's go to Suzanne, the man in the Heights. Oh, Oh, God, yeah, Washington Heights uh, or Hudson Heights. Curtis, now I'm I'm glad you're back on the radio. Thank God. This is where you belong. Just stay put, all right? Now, um, but I think, uh, what's his face? Rittenhouse. I had another neighbor in there. I can't say on the radio. Um, Should have been put in jail for some of the time, I think. I think he was guilty. I don't know if he's a racist or not, but you can't just go around. You know, it's just wrong. Now, let me ask you a question. Suzanne the man. Suzanne the man. You you referred to Washington Heights by its new name imposed upon it by the hipsters and millennials who have moved up there. Hudson Heights, right? No, yeah, and I'm like, fuck, you know, I mean, you know what, uh, Washington Heights, give me a break. (laughs) Suzanne, Suzanne, the man, you have violated an FCC regulation. I'm going to have to get the Felsnap, the soap, the Rokish, if you happen to be Jewish, wash your mouth out. It's, uh, drop the F, mom. Can't do that. She got so ex- I don't know if it's a she, a he, a transgender, that voice, whatever. She got so excited that she dropped the F-bomb. And that's, uh, <clears throat> can't do that. Can't do that. Anyway, let's go to Nick. He's calling all the way from Farmingdale in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Nick. Hi, Frank. Uh, I want to, oh, sorry, I called you Frank. I'm so used to calling. Wait, 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 wait. Hold, hold on, Shay. You call me Frank? After I which did. Frank, Murano or Russo? Yes, after Murano. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so, Curtis, I want to talk about um, the whole accident, the just accident, or if you want to call it uh, attack that happened today in, in uh, Wisconsin. Um, I want to hear, what do you think about it? What, do you think this was intentional? Well, it's interesting. They're now claiming that this red SUV that drove right through the parade, uh, this uh, Christmas parade, may have actually been involved in another crime and was in a getaway situation from that crime. But I'm saying to myself, even a criminal trying to make a getaway is not going to drive right into a parade full of people because there is no getaway then. Exactly. I mean, I, I... I, I didn't even hear about this until maybe about two hours ago. I was in the car with my grandfather, and I was tuning around the radio, and uh, and I heard I heard this on the news, and I thought we thought it was so wacky that I mean ha- I mean things like this happen that are accidents, but the video well, didn't appear to be an accident. Well, have, have, right have, have, have you looked up into the sky the last few nights? Have you seen the uh, composition of the moon? Have you seen that, Nick? I mean, I guess so. <laughs> and a full moon. Oh, right, yeah. I mean, the other night, uh, if I am correct, let's see, that was Friday night. The, the eclipse. Right, uh, the eclipse, the debt went into a full moon, and then last night there was like a shadow over the moon, but you could still see the full circumference of the moon. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, wacky things happen, you know, when you have these lunar kinds of situations that emerge. Right. Maybe maybe we should uh, see if uh, Frank, not Curtis, you know, uh, actual Frank could uh, 
Morano could talk about that maybe tonight. That's kind of in, an interesting thing. It, it, it is. And in fact, Frank Morano will be in here. Uh, he is doing The Other Side uh, of Midnight, a great theater of the mind. He is, again, remember, he is part of the varsity squad here at WABC. While the JV member, Frankie Russo, who's on two nights a week, lucky he's on anytime. Uh, I'm going to be pimp slapping him later on in the show. You're not going to want to miss this. The guy shows me no respect. No respect. I think he needs Ridlin. I really do. Now, you know, I generally don't suggest drugs for people. But I think Frankie Russo is like the poster child for Ridlin. The guy's manic. He doesn't know how to shut his mouth. There's only one way to shut Frankie Russo's mouth, and that's to stick my five knuckles, give him a knuckle sandwich, right, right on his schnoz, his big beak, and push it right down his throat. You hit an Italian guy in the schnoz, they bleed, they become like Mama Luke's. <laughs> Trust me, I've dealt with enough of them. Anyway, let's go, if we can, to Vincenzo, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Vincenzo. Yes, sir, Curtis. I'd like to say it's a it's a sad situation in the world where a kid, Rittenhouse, would feel compelled to bring a gun and, and defend things because the government doesn't have the protection for the people's businesses, and the kid felt compelled to do that because of that. He might even felt he would kill somebody to defend it. It's 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 not great that he did that, but it's a sad situation that government allows such destruction. I will tell you this, uh, Vincenzo, he was 17 at the time, he's 18 now. Um, I don't view him as a kid. Look, in many times, you're 17, you can fight in a war, carry an M16. Right. So right. don't view him as a kid in certain parts of the country. There are boys and girls much younger than him that will carry around rifles, especially during hunting season. They're trained in a whole different way than we are in urban areas. With us, guns are like a Pandora's box. You know, it's like, uh, there they actually go through training. I don't believe he had that much training in the use of an AR-15. Right. But you're right. I guess he took it upon himself, hearing that there was little, if any, security in the streets of Kenosha, where he was working at that time as a lifeguard, where obviously he had his second family there, his father-in-law, not his father-in-law, his stepfather, I think, or maybe even his father, I'm not quite sure. So one part of his family lived in nearby Antioch, that was his mother's side in Illinois, father's side lived in Kenosha. Uh, and I guess he heard people, it's not a big town, it's only 150,000 uh, people say, hey, we got, you know, get the guns, they're burning our city down, get the guns, and so he responded. But it would not have happened if he was out there with an organized group. You see, apparently, he was walking around by himself. He was not part of a unit. Look, I, I witnessed many actions on TV, not personally in the summer of 2020. I had enough battles with Antifa and Black Lives Matter in the streets when some of those uh, demonstrations turned into rioting and looting, I got a busted jaw as a result. As Guardian Angels, we don't carry weapons, but we were protecting property and product that was being stolen and people. Uh, but I remember Stone Mountain, Georgia. That's considered like a shrine to the Confederacy, the stars and bars, the flag of treason. 
and you had these white militia guys up there all strapped with assault weapons, and then you had a black militia up there all strapped with assault weapons, and they were popping trash to one another. Luckily, nobody fired. And then in the case in Louisville that had preceded the case uh, in Kenosha, which had taken place in uh, August uh, 23rd. Remember, that's when uh, uh, the African-American, whose name was Jacob Blake, was in a domestic situation, and the white cop ended up shooting him seven times in the back. That's what kicked this all off. But I remember in Louisville, oftentimes militia groups would show up, militia groups comprised of whites, militia groups comprised of blacks, and the only shots fired were when they inadvertently shot themselves in the leg. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Let's go, if we can, to uh, Tony calling from Brooklyn. Yes, Tony. Hey, Curtis. So I just want to make the point about BLM. Um, it's If people look at the grander picture, BLM is a very sophisticated white Marxist organization. They're all about the money. They're bringing media companies to their knees. And I wouldn't be surprised in about another year or two if they have an intricate media conglomerate where they have tv video on the internet books and they have their their front-facing personalities unfortunately already and there's nothing but rivers of money flowing through this thing well tony uh they already had a lot of money that was thrown their way in the summer of 2020 by major corporations uh and that's uh the stream still cannot be followed because they are not necessarily a nonprofit with a 501c3. A lot of those uh, monies get sent to a nonprofit out in Oakland, and then they get filtered back to what they call the International Black Lives Matter group. And then you have the local yokel versions, uh, as we saw in that verbal joust with Mayor-elect Eric Adams the other day, Hawk Newsom, who I call Pigeon Newsom, uh, who drives around in a Cadillac Escalade, I mean, all tricked out, man. That's like a $100,000 car. And that guy's a Mama Luke. He lives at home with his mom in the Bronx. I don't know where he got the money to buy a Cadillac Escalade. But like in all situations, follow the money. Follow the money. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Update in that SUV plowing into that Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin, right outside of Milwaukee. 28 patients are being treated at about six area hospitals. Apparently some have uh, perished. There is a suspect in custody that they're now claiming might have originally been involved in another crime, and this was just part of his getaway. I... uh, That doesn't sound very likely to me, that you're going to be making a getaway from a crowd and turning right in to the holiday parade. To be continued, uh, we'll let you know of any other updates. Meantime, let's go to Katie calling from Long Island. Welcome to WABC, Katie. Hey, Curtis, I just wanted to let you know, um, uh, first of all, valiant effort uh, with what you did for New York. It's it's a shame um, that the city's so stupid. 
Uh, second of all, I just want to tell you, Frankie Russo, I could not agree with you more about this guy, about Ritalin. He literally gives me anxiety listening to him. And sometimes I listen because there's just like nothing else on. Um, but what is wrong with the radio station that they would give such a just annoying dude a radio show like that? Tell me, like, what is wrong with the station that they would do that? Well, it's like you have a JV squad. He's on the JV squad. He hasn't yet earned his way to the varsity squad. Although I must tell you, my wife Nancy, who will be on at 12 midnight to debate Rudy Giuliani about pigeons in the streets of New York, he hates them, she loves them, that she finds his callers very entertaining. Gives me a migraine. Uh, how can anybody listen to that screaming, nonstop yapping voice? Well, and, I, this, is what I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to suggest. Remember when we went to school, we used to have the school nurse, Nurse Ratchet? I'm going to yeah. suggest that we have a school nurse placed here because, you know, he can be quite immature. And that they have a bottle of not only Ritalin but Adderall. <laughs> and that they administer it to him when he starts to flip the script like he does. He's, he's, like, he's got manic behavior. In fact, uh, Katie, let me give you a, a little exposure, you and the audience, to what his ramblings were just last night when he came on and he was flummoxed, flummoxed because I was talking about my contract negotiations uh, with John Matitis. He's offering me a 30-year no-cut contract, but I have one special provision that we have not agreed to yet. Because I am not going to sign a no-cut 30-year contract knowing that you get Grimaldi's on the Frankie Russo Show delivered from the The slime light. (laughs) Hey, Stuna. You got me involved, you know. I got you involved. What'd you get me involved with? Listen to this. This is 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 nice music. Send in the cloud. He's a, uh, he's a him and his him and his sidekick, Romano, Morano, whatever that was name. Another clown, two clowns. Gizmo is the star. <laughs> Do you know that that, that Sliwa interviewed me? He interviewed me before before he left for, for his campaign. I'm like a person of no consequence. Worst mistake I ever made in my radio life in 30 years was to allow Frankie Russo into these studios, and I gave him airtime. I really, I said to myself, I'm the Stunad, not Frankie Russo. Anyway, we'll get into it later on because he not only disparaged me last night, he disparaged the great Frank Morano, who is the member of the um, varsity squad here at WABC. He's made his bones. Uh, the other side of midnight, great theater of the mind. Uh, he'll be coming on at 1 o'clock. Anyway, let's go to uh, Jimmy, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jimmy. Hey Curtis, thank you very much for for every the effort you made to run for mayor, and also for everything you've done in your history in New York City. And uh, I'm responding to that Kyle Riddle, Rittenhouse thing where he was labeled a racist. I was labeled the same thing in a crime. I had my neck broken on video in New York City. I was working and I was attacked. I happen to be a uh, let's say I'm an I'm an Irishman. I'm short and a very light complexion. And my assailant uh, happened to be a dark-skinned uh, Jamaican gentleman, and he broke my neck. And when I met the DA in New York City, before they before they ever t- 
talk to me about anything, which they never did. They never talked to me about the crime. They never read the police report to me. But the, the, the assistant DA, when she uh, came to help her, her mentee, who was learning the job, she looked at me in that pit of, uh, you know what he called it, where a number of people are being interviewed. She looked over at me and said out loud, you know, with a very, you know, I caught the glimpse. She looked at me with a very angry face and said, we don't care if you're motherfucking racist. Whoa, man. It's like, I don't know. The man, uh, the she-man from uh, up in Washington Heights, (laughs) she had a slip of the lip. (laughs) Maybe now I know why she she went bonkers on you. You probably dropped the F-bomb on the ADA. Whew. Telling you. We got some educating to do here of our callers. It's uh, Felsnap the soap if you're a Gentile, Rokish if you happen to be Jewish. You know it's used to uh, wash clothes. It's harsh soap, both soaps. I may have to wash your mouths out. I may have to do that. Definitely will do that to Frankie Russo. Although he did not drop the f bomb, it's just he's manic and he can't stop talking. He can't help himself. That's the problem. Anyway, let's go to Bobby up in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bobby. Uh, yes. Oh, well, what are you talking like in, in a cave? Out. You're talking to the yes. phone, Bobby. Yes, I'd like to find out why they attacked Rittenberg in the first place, the people that attacked him and tried to beat him up. Now, now, did you turn uh, Rittenhouse into a Jewish guy, Rittenberg? I mean, it's the guy Whatever he killed. His name is. Rosenbaum. No, why did they attack Rittenhouse? Why did these guys attack him in the first place? Well, uh, if you remember, did you watch any of the videos? I watched some videos where he was laying on the ground, but what caused them to start All right, all right. Let me, let me, let me give you a, a jump start course here because I can see uh, you're in the twilight zone there. Uh, let me take you back. It was uh, August 23rd. Uh, Everything was quiet in the little town of Kenosha, population 150,000. And there was a 911 call because there was a domestic call involving Jacob Black. There was an outstanding warrant uh, for sexual assault on him, third degree, criminal trespass. Uh, They didn't know it when they were responding to the 911 call. But that call was made by the woman who was assaulted. And apparently he and his three children were staying at that house. A lot of baby mama drama going on. So the cops get there and he goes outside and they take him outside and they're having an argument. And all of a sudden he goes to to grab something in the car under the floorboard. Cops say a knife. He said it was nothing. And he ends up getting shot seven times in the back. Well, you knew there was going to be a riot after that. You knew that in the summer of 2020. All it would require is a white guy punching a black guy and there'd be a riot. And they did not prepare the authorities, not the local cops in Kenosha, not the county sheriffs, not the state troopers. And the governor, asleep at the wheel in Madison, Wisconsin, did not send in the National Guard. So there were demonstrations that very night. Then the next night on the 24th, all hell broke loose because members of Antifa and Black Lives Matter were coming in from nearby Chicago, which is only about an hour away, Madison and Milwaukee. And then you had militia groups that were 
making a call to arms to come in and protect property that was being looted and burned uh, by the hour. And then the following night on the 25th is when Kyle uh, decided to get involved himself. And that's when you saw in the video that was played ad nauseum, both from above, uh, it was the drone uh, footage, which to me was the best footage, and then all the individual people who had uh, taken footage with their cell phones. You saw him fend off Rosenbaum, who clearly was trying to grab his gun. Now, Rosenbaum was a troubled guy, had attempted suicide just hours before in a Milwaukee hospital and was with his fiance in Kenosha, Uh, But he was just a hot mess. He had been arrested years before on pedophile charges. He didn't know that, though, Rittenhouse. And so he ends up shooting Rosenbaum four times. Now, you would have thought the crowd would have dispersed and run away. There'd just been four shots fired. One guy goes down. You figure everybody flees. No. The skateboarder named Uber then comes up to him. Now, he had done two prison stints. He had all kinds of family issues, tried to choke out his brother. Obviously, Rittenhouse didn't know that. But Uber, instead of skateboarding away or running away, decides to uh, attack Rittenhouse, who's got the gun. And then he shoots Uber, killing him. And then the paramedic, self-appointed paramedic, approaches him with a pistol, a loaded pistol. And uh, Rittenhouse gets to jump on him, shoots him through the arm. And we could see that they were chasing uh, Rittenhouse through the streets. It was back and forth. It was anarchy. It was totally out of control. There were not enough cops and not enough state troopers, not enough county sheriffs, and certainly no National Guard that would have made all the difference in the world because they could have ordered the militias to back off, put their guns in their gun racks and their pickup trucks and leave, could have told uh, uh, baby-faced Rittenhouse, hey, how old are you? Put that gun away. Get out of here. We got it in hand here. But there was no law enforcement. So you had both groups that were like, it was tribal. They were at each other's throats. Anyway, up next, I haven't been to that area of Wisconsin in a month of Sundays, but Willie Brooks, who's been a lifelong guardian angel, joined back in the 80s, is familiar with that area, is an African-American who will give us his perspective, and also maybe he'll give us an update on the breaking news of the uh, evening in Waukesha, Wisconsin, not far from Milwaukee where he lives, where apparently a guy in a red SUV just took out about 26 people in the annual holiday parade, what I call the Christmas parade, killing some, seriously injuring others, and they're now claiming he may have been on the lam from a previous crime that he had committed. We'll update you with all of that. You don't need to go anywhere, plus the battle royale between my wife Nancy defending the pigeons of New York City versus my Cheech Rudy Giuliani, who calls them flying rats. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa, Talk Radio 77, WABC. Two big stories today. The one that's lingering from the jury decision to exonerate what I call uh, baby face. There's no doubt about that. He's got that baby face, I think, that uh, led to his exoneration by a jury uh, in uh, Kenosha. Uh, And then, obviously, uh, what just happened hours before I came to the airwaves, apparently 11 adults, 12 kids have been hospitalized, possibly others who may have perished, when a uh, driver in a uh, red SUV plowed into a holiday parade or what I call a Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin, 
Not far from where our next guest resides in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, Willie Brooks. Uh, welcome to WABC. Are you there, Willie? See if you can get Willie up on that line. Can you hear me? I am here. I loud, am here. loud and clear. Loud and clear, All Willie. Right. Now, first right. off, the main story that's just broken just hours ago, this uh, – Christmas parade in Waukesha, uh, which is right outside from where you live uh, in uh, Milwaukee. Uh, Can you give us any details on that? I have none. Uh, This is fresh news to me. Uh, I have. uh, It's tragic. It's sad. Um, I pray for all of the the families that's affected by the tragedy, but it's just another sense of nonsense, Uh, and we just have to keep them in prayer. And hope that uh, as many folks survive that that, that can. Uh, but I don't have any details or uh, 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 any, any knowledge of specifics. Willie, have you ever uh, visited Waukesha? Oh, often. Waukesha is a stone, st- uh, a stone throw away from Milwaukee. So you you drive to Waukesha, you know, when you're going to the shopping mall and when you're going to other areas. So. You know, it's a link to everything else uh, in this area, so it's not uh, far away or isolated. It's it's a nice sized city. Okay, so Willie, you like a lot of other residents in Wisconsin, especially there in Milwaukee, had a chance to follow not only the rioting and the looting and the shooting that took place uh, back in August of 2020. Uh, but also eventually the release of Rittenhouse, who was charged in that crime, and then his eventual trial and the jury exoneration. Uh, Sort of take me uh, step-by-step with what you perceived it to be from the time that you first learned that Jacob Blake was shot by the white police officer in Kenosha. Well, from the the time of the Jacob Blake shooting, and uh, leading up to the protests uh, with the other occurrences around the country uh, with uh, the killing of African-American men by police uh, uh, unjustly, it created a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, protests, a lot of uh, marching, a lot of uh, people demanding justice in injustice situations. And, and it just, uh, the, 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 when Jacob Blake incident occurred, it just magnified uh, and, and further ignited what was already going on. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it just led to that day, that day where Rittenhouse and uh, a lot of other people and organizations uh, came from around the country to uh, use that as a... Uh, I guess a uh, a standing ground for uh, voicing the differences and the opinions from different sides and everything else, and and uh, everything ignited from there, and 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 this is where we ended up. Now, it was a few days after Jacob Blake was shot by the cops. Why did it seem to take so long for the local police and the sheriffs to react, and then the state police, and then finally the national guard? To react to the protests? Yes. Uh, I don't know that uh, it was necessary uh, uh, initially for uh, that type of reaction. 
I, I think that, uh, or, you know, I think also people was praying that it wouldn't turn into what it turned into because a lot of the protests were peaceful. Uh, uh, because this has, these protests have been going on for a while. So it hadn't gotten to, to that height, uh, height of destruction and, 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 and violence. Um, so I, I, I don't think they was expecting things to boil over to that extreme. And, and, you know, when, when it did, you know, I think everybody reacted, uh, as, you know, as they could to it. Uh, but I don't think that was, uh, uh, would have did anything to deter, uh, what happened because of the laws of Wisconsin as it relates to the open carry. Well, it, describe that uh, to us, because obviously, you know, we live in an urban area here. The lower part of New York State is different than upstate New York, uh, where it's more common. What are the laws in Wisconsin? Who can carry and who can't carry? The state of Wisconsin law says that anybody of an adult age can carry, openly carry, a uh, a weapon, whether it be a handgun or a long gun. Uh, you can't uh, walk around with modified weapons like sawed-off shotguns and things of that nature. But uh, you can legally carry long gun, handgun, uh, openly uh, on your person, and it, it's legal. Uh, uh, and uh, if you're 17, as that uh, law was tossed out as it relates to the Rittenhouse situation, if you're a minor, you can carry a long gun. Uh, as well, without with an exception of a, uh, a short barrel, you can't carry a short barrel gun uh, if you're a minor. So uh, that's why that was tossed out of the trial as a, a charge against him because in in you know um you know they was arguing that the law was written for hunters, but you know you can't define the law to to fit the situation when. Uh, is not detailed that way uh, in the law in the beginning. So the, the judge talks it out, uh, and, and I thought he did so rightfully. I, t- uh, talk, yeah. I just want to recap. We're talking to Willie Brooks, uh, formerly with the Guardian Angels in Milwaukee. Willie, uh, when you initially saw the video before the trial start, what preliminary uh, beliefs did you have about the shooting? Rittenhouse shooting and killing the two demonstrators and then the, the one paramedic uh, getting shot? Initially, I thought, you know, that it was a, a kid just out there, you know, uh, uh, out of control and, uh, you know, uh, killing folk, you know, uh, uh, without cause in, in, in the midst of the chaos and and. You know, so I, I didn't think that it was justified initially. I thought there was just a kid out there that shouldn't have been out there that got in over his head and ended up killing some folks. You know, um, that was my initial reaction. All right, so now the trial starts. The jury is chosen. They begin to give testimony. Uh, what was your evaluation after you had watched most of the court proceedings? You know, it's hard to argue against the verdict. I mean, against the decision of the uh, that the jurors came back with. Uh, it's hard to argue with that. Um, they uh, came to that conclusion based on the evidence that was presented by the uh, defense attorney. 
uh, versus the evidence that was presented by the prosecution. And uh, if I was a juror, if that's what you're asking me, uh, I probably would have concluded the way that they did based on the evidence that was presented. So if you had sat in that jury box with the uh, rest of the jurors based on what you saw during the trial, you probably would have come to the same conclusion to exonerate uh, Rittenhouse on all charges? I probably would have, based on what I saw. Uh, and I watched the, the uh, trial. Uh, I watched it intently, and I, I saw how the case was presented on both sides. And, and a lot of people uh, on the other side uh, don't want to hear this, but uh, truthfully, I would have, uh, based on the evidence that was presented and the way the case was presented uh, by both parties, I would have sided with the, with the jurors. Now, last question, uh, Willie, because uh, the media was hyping us to believe that whatever the jury's decision that all hell was going to break out in Kenosha. Initially, you had groups representing both sides there. It appeared to me there were way more reporters than there were activists on either side, and then there was nothing, nothing. Is that something you anticipated, or was that just the result of media hype this time around? That was the result of media hype, Uh, and nothing, I never thought that it was going to be a outburst of protest uh, after this verdict. Uh, people are tired of, uh, uh, and they're exhausted. They're exhausted with COVID. They're exhausted with the deaths that we're experiencing. They're exhausted with the economy. They're exhausted. Pe- people is just tired and, 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 and they just, you know, want, want a little bit of peace. And, and, and I'm glad that everybody was ready to accept the verdict as it was, and I'm glad that people didn't react, and I'm glad they, obviously, we learned from the mistakes of the past uh, summers, uh, summer before last, we, you know, we learned, and, 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 and so I'm proud of the way that my community reacted, and I'm proud of the way that we conducted ourselves and the outcome of this uh, uh, verdict, and, you know, the, you know, it is what it is, you know, we have to respect the law, whether you know, uh, the outcome is, is what we agree with or, or disagree with when it's put on trial uh, and, and it's uh, laid out there uh, for a decision by a jury. And uh, that's the justice system. And that's the only one we got. And we got to go with it. So until and if you don't like the results and you don't like how things are, you know, hey, don't protest and protest alone. Vote. I do appreciate that, Willie Brooks, uh, formerly with the Guardian Angels in Milwaukee, one of our African-American leaders, and was very forthright saying initially he had one perception when he saw the video before the trial started uh, of Rittenhouse shooting the two guys to death, the other one injuring, and then after watching the actual trial, said that as an African-American If he was sitting in that jury pool, he would have come to the same conclusion. And if you notice, people being upset, it was more in other cities around the country. Portland, well, they have demonstrations every night over anything. Here in in New York, Brooklyn, Barclays Center, Middle Village.
you remember I interviewed uh, City Councilman Robert Holden the other day as uh, the Black Bloc came through there, anarchists, desecrating property, destroying flags. There was more negative reaction miles away from Kenosha and Wisconsin than there were in the state that was at the epicenter of that. There's lessons to be learned from that. Our number is 1-800-848-WABC. If you heat your home with oil, you must hear this urgent message. Low-price home heating oil is now available to 77 WABC listeners at a fixed price that can save you hundreds of dollars a year on your home heating bill. If you think you're paying too much to heat your home, then pick up your phone and dial 1-866-OIL-DEAL right now to see how much you, a loyal 77 WABC listener, can save on heating oil. The Home Heating Oil Service Center is staffed 24-7 and mechanics are available 24 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to ensure your family is never left in the cold. Just dial 1-866-OIL-DEAL. That's 1-866-OIL-DEAL. The heating oil line is now open for 77 WABC listeners. Think you're paying too much for your home heating oil? Call the home heating oil line now to see how much you can save off your home heating costs. Don't wait. There's no reason to pay too much for home heating oil. Call 1-866-OIL-DEAL. That's 1-866-OIL-DEAL. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. You can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Now, it's interesting. We spent uh, close to two years focused on Kenosha. Right along Lake Michigan, as you roll up from Chicago, you hit Kenosha, Racine, and then Milwaukee. It's a town of 150,000. But a lot of people don't realize when I was there in the 80s, it was one of the hubs of our economic automobile production machines in America. First was Detroit and second was Kenosha. In fact, how many of you, when you were growing up, you drove a Dodge Omni or a Plymouth Horizon? or Chrysler Fifth Avenue, or the Dodge Diplomat, or the Plymouth Fury, or the AMC Gremlin, or Rambler, especially the Rambler. I remember going there as a kid, visiting my relatives in Chicago and up in Wisconsin where they were dairy farmers on the Polish side. And man, that was a hub of automobile production. And then it was uh, Lee Iacocca who decided that he was going to uh, get a bailout for Chrysler Motors, which had incorporated into its uh, economic machine, AMC, that he was going to bail out the automobile production uh, part of his apparatus in Detroit. And they ended up closing almost all the plants in Kenosha. It devastated Kenosha. And the history of Kenosha. You know know which individuals uh, came out of Kenosha? Again, a town of 150,000. Talking about theater of the mind, War of the Worlds, probably the greatest theater of the mind radio production of all time. Orson Welles, Citizen Kane, born and raised in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Talk about radicals. Uh, who was that in the Avengers there? Mark Ruffalo? Yeah, what, what, uh, what, was, what, what role did he play, Mark Ruffalo? Man, you know. Anyway, Mark, he's like the um, environmental radical, but he grew up there in Kenosha. And not a lot of other people came out of Kenosha, but it had quite the history. 
I wonder if any of you ever saw that movie, Preston Tucker. It's done by Francis Ford Coppola. Tucker, the man in his dream. I think Jeff Bridges starred in that. That was a great movie. That was about the start of the Nash Automobile Company right there. It was a challenge. It was like Tesla is now with the electric car challenging. The big three. At that time, he was challenging the major automobile manufacturers. That's back in like what? Like when I was born in 1954. It has a tremendous history, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Now, I know for some of you, you're interested in those kind of details. But I don't think in any of the portrayals of Kenosha, from the time that on August 23rd, when Jacob Blake in that domestic situation that the cops were responded to got shot seven times in the back by that white cop, to the actual jury verdict that came down the pipe on Friday, that any of that information was projected in any of the sort of uh, composites that were done. It was almost like Kenosha just happened to, to exist. And yet... Every town has its own story, just like the lead story of today, Waukesha, right outside of Milwaukee, as our guest Willie Brooks described it, although he didn't have any other details, and I've already uh, sort of conveyed to you that there have been multiple fatalities after a car, an SUV, crashed through their annual Christmas parade. That's a town of 75,000. It is thought that this may have not been an act of domestic terrorism or international terrorism. Rather, it was a criminal who had committed another crime, was fleeing the scene in the red SUV, and crashed into the Christmas parade. I find that highly unlikely. And, like, why are you going to turn down a street in a small town that's having a Christmas parade in order to get away? That doesn't make any sense to me, but we'll give you updates all along the way. Anyway, let's go, if we can, to uh, Alex, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Alex. Hey, Curtis, how are you, man? I I really wish you were the mayor of New York City right now. All right, hold on Um, a second. Hold on. We've got to take him to school. Alex asked me, how are you? That's That's pretty much the equivalent of how you're doing, right? Do you hear me now, Curtis? Loud and clear. But you see, you got. I got to give you a briss. When we do talk radio, please do not ask me how I'm doing because I'm going to say I've had better days. And don't thank me for taking your call because what do you think my role is here at WABC to take phone calls? It's talk radio. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I just want to say that I was very, you know, I don't hear it enough said that, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse, thankfully... You know, while defending himself and stopping the threats that were coming towards him, didn't injure anybody else in the backdrop. And I think that's very commendable, you know, for a young man. And I'm, I'm just happy that nobody else got hurt. Now, 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 hold on a second. Hold on a second. He shot and killed two people. He injured another person. And you're saying lucky for the others that he didn't gun them down also? Well, the thing is, I, I you know, the, the, I, I feel content with what the, the jury's verdict was. You know, in the case, you know, I have trust in, in the jury of his peers. And that since this was a self-defense situation, these things can sometimes be very dangerous, especially in crowds and with a lot of other people standing around. 
there was no other, you know, there was no collateral damage. Thankfully, nobody got hit by a stray bullet, you know. Um, I got to tell you, normally in a crowd, somebody hears gunfire, everybody runs for the hills. Look at what happened at the airport in Atlanta yesterday when a guy discharged his gun. Everybody fled yeah. from the airline terminals. You could be in the middle of a concert, somebody hears shots, everybody's running. I have exactly. rarely, if ever seen a crowd like in this situation charge an active shooter like Rittenhouse who has just capped the first guy Rosenbaum with four shots he goes down everybody sees he goes down then all of a sudden the skateboarder decides I'm going to take him out with my skateboard and then he gets shot and goes down and then the medic comes up and pulls a pistol out on him and Rittenhouse gets the jaw on him I got to tell you, I've been in a lot of riots, a lot of battles, a lot of places where shots are fired. Normally, the reaction is people hear shots and they run. They don't charge the person. Anyway, let's go to Bobby Hughes calling from Strong Island, a.k.a. Long Island. Your turn to be heard on WABC, Bobby. Good. How are you doing? I got your message. I don't care how you are, okay? And I know you had to answer my call. Well, we still go back to 54, and we come from the same borough, and I got my respect for you. A couple of days after you left the station to run for mayor, I had called, uh, what's his name, Frankie Russo? Yeah. Yeah. All right, and he swore I was you. I don't know why. Yeah. Okay? You may have been. And then he hung up on, he hung up on me, right? So within a couple of weeks, I called him back two more times. One time, he recognized my voice again and just let me slide for like two hours. And then the next time, he forgot and answered the phone again. says, I'll be right back to you. What is it with that guy? Well, it's uh, called slow syrup. When you're sipping on that Roma Law too much, it begins to affect your brain. Yep. I got. I got to be honest with you. With Frankie Russo, he's always got that bottle uh, of always got that bottle of Romalaw. Taking a little swig there, they call it down south slow syrup. See, uh, you're from Kenosi. I'm from Cypress Hills, East New York. Yeah, well, you know, you know what the Huffers used to be like. That's that's Frankie Russo. We'll talk more about that troublemaker later. On the air right now, Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. Now, I don't quite get that technology. Uh, we had uh, Chris, voice of WABC, saying that the views of this program are of the sponsor. Well, the sponsor's responsible. I don't have a sponsor here. It's yours truly. Me and my belly button in. I have no idea what that drop is about. I'll have to uh, consult with Chris Libertini, the voice of WABC, on that. That's a, a that's what I call verbal technology. If you're not paying attention, you probably just breezed right through that, which obviously I did in the first two hours. But we're going into our last two hours, and you're not going to want to miss in the next hour. Oh boy, it's the Rumble on WABC. With Mike Kumbadicich, Rudy Giuliani in one corner, who earlier today on his Sunday program at 10 to 11 with Dr. Maria was uh, going off on street pigeons, claiming that they were flying rats. My wife, Nancy, takes great umbrage to that, the animal welfare activist who uh, goes out and feeds the pigeons each day. 
In fact, she had convinced me that if uh, I was lucky enough to get elected mayor, I should make it the official bird of the city of New York, a pigeon, and put it on the New York City flag, which I was more than happy to do. You're not going to want to miss that. Then Dominic Carter, who you hear at nights from 12 to 1 before Frank Morano, who will be in tonight, the other side of midnight. He is the uh, varsity member of the other side of uh, midnight, whereas uh, Frankie Russo is the JV member. But uh, Dominic Carter, I was listening to him the other night. He was singing on the air, man. You got, got to tell Dominic, man, keep it to the shower stall out there in Ramapo uh, in Rockland County where you live because that was maybe the worst singing I've ever heard in my life. And then we're going to deal with uh, uh, Mr. Ridlin, Mr. Adderall, or at least that's what he needs when he does his program, uh, Frankie Russo. But... This is a subject that was conveyed to me by our owner-operator and talk show host in his own right, John Katsimatidis, earlier in the day. The FDA, Food and Drug Administration, get this, wants 55 years to process a freedom of information request over getting the data on the Pfizer vaccine. Now, the people who are requesting the information actually a scientist who asked the FDA to share the data it relied upon in licensing Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine. They wanted the information because they said, with so many people having misinformation, that if you, members of the average public, had the information that they processed in order to get FDA approval so that it could be issued to the general public that that would assuage a lot of people's fear. (laughs) And the FDA, in response, said, well, you'll have to wait 55 years, that there are 329,000 pages. Uh, You say to yourself, oh, wait a second. You want to release it 55 years from now? Most everyone listening to this program will probably be dead and buried, room temperature. They'll either be in a uh, mausoleum if they got some coin. Or like me, you'll be in a cardboard box, probably, uh, you know, out there in Hart Island. But the point is, it's not going to benefit anyone. They don't want to release 329,000 pages of information that enabled them to come to a decision that the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine is safe and effective. Like, wait a second, we pay for that. We're the taxpayers. And every every day, there are legal firms that are outsourced this work. I know because my wife Nancy is one of those attorneys. She's an e-attorney. They will send her volumes of information for her to sort through in order to get required information that is either part of a court process, civil litigation, or it's just need-to-know information. Just the chutzpah of our government that refuses to issue to the general public the information that is deposited in 329,000 pages that led them to believe that the Pfizer vaccine is safe and effective. And they won't even release it to scientists who want to use that information to convince the unvaccinated to get vaccinated. All they have to do is outsource this 
to law firms that will be more than happy, and they're claiming, well, even if that was done, we wouldn't be able to get all that information uh, together, uh, you know, put together, available for the general public for years from now. That's bull feathers. That's bull feathers. So you don't have to drop that word. That's a word you can use as opposed to the other word that would have caused our engineer to drop me like a hot rock, and then I would have had to take the Felsnaptus soap and the Rokis soap. Again, if you're a Gentile, you use Felsnaptus soap, the laundry soap. Or if you're Jewish, you use the Rokis soap to wash my mouth off because I was cursing. This is incredible, this information. Unbelievable how the government treats us as if we're stupid. Pay your taxes, little people. Don't ask any questions. God forbid we share with you information that could have an either positive effect on your life or maybe a negative effect on your life. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And now Pfizer is indicating that it's got an antiviral pill. They want the FDA to authorize it. How long will it take us to get the paperwork of authorization to treat the unvaccinated, mostly older people, those who have obesity concerns and medical conditions? And so uh, Joe Biden, our president, wants to spend billions of our dollars to produce a billion doses a year for the world of this antiviral pill. So it can stop it in other countries so that new variants don't arise in those third world countries that could end up affecting us. So far in the world, there are five million deaths that have been attributed to coronavirus. In America, 770,000. In fact, there have been more deaths this year as a result of coronavirus than there was the year before. And I asked the question, when can the mask come off? When can these freaking diapers come off our faces? You know, when you're born and the doctor slaps you on your dupa or your tuchus, and then, like in my case, it was uh, Dr. Uh, Duckman at Brooklyn Hospital. I've been talking ever since when he slapped me on my dupa and brought me into the world. I had a diaper on soon after, right? A diaper. Now, for some of us, we have diapers below our navel and diapers on our faces. And if, God forbid, we drop dead, we end up being buried with a diaper below our navel and a diaper on our face. I want to know, are we going to have to wear these freaking diapers on our faces for the rest of our lives? And notice, slowly but surely, other areas of our country do different things with the mask. D.C., they just... uh, Release the indoor mask requirements, loosened up the regulations. Florida has banned school mask mandates, period. You don't see any N95 masks down there, any shields. Hell no. So why are things so different in Florida? Is it different air? I'm trying to get this. You know, the air circulates all over the world, all over the globe. (coughs) So the air (coughs) that they actually inhale in Florida and exhale is different than the air that we inhale here in the tri-state area and beyond, that we inhale and exhale. And now all of a sudden we got the boosters. They're talking boosters, boosters, boosters. Six months after your second dose of whatever particular vaccine you had, whether it was Pfizer or Moderna, and if you have uh, Johnson & Johnson, 
you should definitely get a booster. That's what they're telling you. And they're saying after after six months after your last shot, and I'm saying to myself, how many boosters are we going to have to get in our lifetime? Think of it. How many boosters are we going to have to get in our lifetime? And you can't get any answers. None whatsoever. Anyway, let's go back to the phones. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's one 800 848 W-A-B-C. Let's go to Carol, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at W-A-B-C, Carol. Hi there, Curtis. I, I love to listen to you. You're fantastic. Um, what happened with this uh, Christmas parade where this moron drove into a bunch of people? I mean, what, what, what kind of idiocy is that? Well, so far, it was right before I came on the air. At 9 o'clock, it was in Waukesha, Wisconsin, which is not far from Kenosha, but closer to Milwaukee. It's a suburb of Milwaukee. And they have an annual Christmas parade. Uh, Some call it a holiday parade because it's so politically correct. I call it the Christmas parade. It's only a town of 75,000. And apparently a red SUV came uh, barreling down the block and crashed into the parade goers. Uh, injuring upwards of 24, killing some of them. (laughs) Apparently, they have a suspect in custody uh, that they're now saying might have been fleeing another crime scene. But I find that almost impossible to believe, Carol, because why, if you uh, were at a crime scene somewhere else in Waukesha, maybe even in Milwaukee because it's right next door, and you're fleeing, why would you drive down a block that is packed with people who are in parade formation for their annual Christmas Day parade. So I'm su- somewhat jaundiced to that. Uh, I'll, I'll give you more details yeah, as it happens. Definitely. Yeah, well, so far nobody's I- saying it's uh, connected uh, to what transpired in Kenosha on Friday, the jury decision to uh, exonerate uh, Rittenhouse on all charges, babyface, and nobody's suggesting right. that it's an act of domestic terrorism or international terrorism. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I'll do my best to keep everybody connected to the breaking news from Waukesha, Wisconsin. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go back to the phones. And Ralph, who's calling from Jersey, also. Yeah, uh, thank you, uh, Cortez. Okay. Let's spare the pleasantry here and get right to my point. Okay. The uh, mayhem and uh, chaos that we saw happen in Kenosha, this was caused by outside agitator. Even the uh, person you've spoken to uh, should know that, right? And the irony, to in all irony, that uh, the sarcasm coming out of the media is this constant mention about this young lad, Kyle, crossing state line. Like you, he had relatives. He had family in that area. What's up with this? And this is not a, an, a, an, a, an AR rifle. It's a semi-automatic. There's a huge difference between the... Oh, the, here, here we go, Mr. NRA here. Let's just say it is a rifle that could cause a lot of damage, AR-15. Uh, according to Willie Brooks, who is from Milwaukee, who I trust implicitly, former member of the Guardian Angels, African-American, back in 1983 when we started the chapter there who's lived in that area, he's claimed that in the aftermath of the uh, killing of Jacob Blake by the police officer, the white police officer from Kenosha that triggered all of this, 
that eventually about 90% of the people who kept coming into Kenosha night after night, uh, first for demonstrations that then turned into riots, arson, looting, and shooting, 90% of the people, regardless of which side they were on, the white militia side or the Black Lives Matter side, were out of towners, were not from the city of Kenosha. And again, city of Kenosha only has 150,000 people. Uh, let's go, if we can, to uh, Vincenz, who's calling from Caldwell, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Vincenz. How you doing there, brother? First of all, I'm from the Bronx, originally in uh, East New York. I'm just living in Caldwell now. Well, there's, cut, there's too many holes in this kid's story, I feel. He leaves his house to go to his friend's house in Kenosha, picks up the assault rifle. His father lives in Kenosha, but he never calls his dad, never stops by his dad, never checks in with his dad to see if he's all right. For his first priority, head to a black, Lives Matter demonstration. And by freak of comments, runs into these three white dudes, shoots them. But I feel his uh, main priority was to go to a Black Lives Matter demonstration to shoot black people. That's just my opinion. All right, but Minnie, he's not colorblind, right? There, there I were, know, there I, were. I had bl- no choice. He I know. Being bum rushed. I know, but there were blacks involved in the demonstration on the other side of him. How is it he ended up shooting three whites and no blacks? Because I feel uh, after he shot them, he probably freaked out because he never shot nobody in his life. Well, that's true. Uh, There's nothing to suggest that he had even fired that rifle any number of times, the AR-15. But your your premise is that he comes to uh, Kenosha, where he was working as a lifeguard a few days a week, Yes, he sir. did not touch base with his father or the father's side of his family. And so your feeling is he was just on a mission to yeah. get that AR-15 from his friend and go out and shoot some black folks. Well, this kid had some emotional disturbance, maybe because of the separation of his parents. Uh, I just feel, you know, I shouldn't even let him go without thoroughly evaluating him, you know, to deal with... Uh, his individual problem may be suffered from implicit association of discriminatory acts of violence, could be suffering from a mania of obsessional preoccupation with particular ideas or negative volatile activity he felt weren't wrong. Man, you're a real shrink here, Vinny. Yeah, man. I know my stuff. Yeah. Now, now, do you know your stuff because you've been a patient or you actually studied the science? Well, I went to Lehman College. I lived on 197 to Sedgwick. It was a short distance, a block and a half from my home. So I filled in my time there, being married there 28 years from my wife passed. My chick children moved on to lead their own lives. All right. And so you lived there right by the reservoir? Yes, I did, sir. Uh, let me tell you something. You, you're quite wise. You've connected a lot of dots that we have not even thought about, Vinny. I hadn't even thought about the fact that he hadn't checked in with his daddy. You know, I felt he should have just been, uh, you know, incarcerated long enough to see if he was safe to be let back into society. Well, I, t- I will tell you, he was incarcerated for a while. And the thing that threw me, Vinny, is is that a team came together. The pillow guy put up like a million dollars. And then Ricky Schroeder, who I actually thought was dead, Ricky Schroeder, uh, he puts up a million dollars, you know, the kid that at the time he was a kid on what, silver spoons. So they spring him from jail 
and he gets to go home to mom because that was his primary residence in Antioch, Illinois. And mom takes him out to a gin mill called Pudgy's. Now, just hearing that name, Vinny, if you knew that was a gin joint or a bar, what kind of a dive do you think that would be with a name like Pudgy's? I hope I would. Not the uh, not, uh, higher-end social <laughs> meeting, I would say. You mean a hillbilly joint, right? <laughs> it sounds like it to me. It sounds like a little backwoods there, a little Ku Klux Klan there. Well, it's actually outside of Racine, and it's got two big signs outside. One is this big sign for Old Milwaukee. If you've ever drunk Old Milwaukee, it is cheap brew. Wait a second, I'm 65. I drank them all. All right, and old style, which is even cheaper than that. That'll burn your innards out. Mm -hmm. And so the young boy goes in there. At the time, he's 17. Now, in Wisconsin, if you're with a parent, you can go into a bar and drink. He's knocking back these old styles, pitches full of old styles. I'm looking at him. People are photobombing him because they recognize him. And you know if you're in a gin mill or a bar after 12 noon, nothing good is going to happen, right? Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Too bad. I've been through that myself. Yeah, too bad, Vincenzo, uh, you weren't able to be a consigliere uh, to the young man. Another thing, that Frankie Russo, I call him sometimes. Sometimes I go along with him, too. He says, I don't think he's your friend. He's like a real hypocrite. Yeah, Yeah, we're going to be talking about that with the uh, <laughs> member of the uh, varsity team of the other side of Midnight, uh, Frank Morano. But I really think, Vinny, he's in need because he's so manic of Ritalin and maybe a little Adderall, you know, a mixture of the two. Think he's starstruck. Yeah, or a little, what we call in the South, slow syrup, a little Romolaw. He should be yeah. nipping on that. That'll slow you know, him down. On the radio last night, you know, people are coming to him because of his fame as a radio DJ. Uh, it's not like he um, he's a part of the Jane Fonda Foundation or something there. He's dating <laughs> Nicki Minaj or anything. <laughs> Boys, I call her Nicki Minaj a toi. Mm. Anyway. Do appreciate your insight, Vincenzo. Glad to catch you, and I appreciate finally getting to talk to you. Well, no, no, that's good. No, you got the cred because you went East New York, Bronx, Coldwell, New Jersey. You scored the trifecta there. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Vinny. And in the bullpen warming up, yes, uh, Frank Morano, member of the varsity squad here at WABC. We'll be dealing with the... uh, Junior varsity member Frankie Frankie Russo later on. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. That's one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa, Talk Radio seventy seven WABC. So let me break out these uh, stories that are coming at us fast and furiously. Story one of the night, before I came to the airwaves, Waukesha Police, that's in Wisconsin, right outside of Milwaukee, a town of 75,000. They were having their annual Christmas parade. Others have changed the name, the holiday, holiday parade. It's always Christmas parade to me. 11 adults, 12 youth were knocked down by a SUV, a flying red SUV that tore right into the crowd. Uh, the suspect has been uh, caught. It's being interrogated by police as we speak. Apparently, some of the injured have died. We'll give you more late-breaking details. And apparently, 
at least the story that the county sheriff is telling, is that this suspect may have actually been at a crime scene somewhere else, either in Waukesha or nearby Milwaukee, and was fleeing and drove right into this parade. I find that extraordinarily difficult to believe. But if there are any changes to that, we will update you. Meantime, the other big story that other networks are not talking about, shame, 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 including news talk radio stations, news radio stations, TV stations. I don't know uh, if any publications have avoided this story. To me, this is the biggest story. Uh, and was brought to my attention earlier today by John Katsimatidis, owner and operator here of WABC, who has a show that he does in his own right. But that the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, wants 55 years, 55 years to process freedom of information requests over vaccine data. And this only has to do with the Pfizer vaccine. The freedom of information request actually came from scientists who asked the FDA to share the data it relied upon in licensing Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine. And they were doing it for the reason that they said, if we could get this information to the general public, it will reassure them. It will mollify the skeptics, of which there are many, and we can prove that Pfizer is safe and effective. So what does the government bureaucracy spit back? Oh, there are 329,000 pages. It'll take us 55 years to assess it and get it all to you. Bull feathers, bull feathers. So here it is, this product, Pfizer, that is being mandated, along with Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson, over 100 million people, now under penalty of losing their careers, their income, their military service status, and far worse. And they're not even entitled to have this information that we're paying for, by the way, we, the sucker taxpayers. The FDA's own rules and regulations stipulate that the FDA agency is to make immediately available all documents underlying licensing any vaccine. The FDA presently has on its payroll 18,000 overpaid employees with a budget of $6 billion a year. Now, even if they were to process 80,000 pages a month, we would have all the documentation by March of 2022. I think that's a fair compromise. But as my wife, Nancy, who is an e-attorney, has told me that this is the dilemma that many large corporations have. That's why they outsource this work to law firms who then can put dozens of e-attorneys on it to process the paperwork to make it available in record time. So why wouldn't you outsource it to law firms at the FDA unless there's something to hide? Now, you see, all of a sudden, inquiring minds want to know. I wonder if any of you are even concerned about that. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pauline calling from Valley Stream right down that border with Queens, New York. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pauline. Yes, Curtis. I'm calling about the black man that just called, that he thinks every white person is, is out to kill, kill them, when Rittenhouse didn't even kill any black person. He killed white people. I'm so sick of hearing it that every damn black person thinks that a white person is going to kill them. 
And not only did you didn't say anything, you didn't say anything, but then then they say that he he didn't see his father. Suppose he's mad at his father. Well, Pauline he didn't, doesn't talk to him anymore. Uh, those were his observations. Remember, uh, this yeah, is. But so- why didn't you say anything? Well, he he may not have contacted his father while he was there. In Kenosha, he may have had a very valid point. Gee, if he's in Kenosha, he's there about three days of the week, four days of the week. The other three or four, he's in Antioch in Illinois, like 20 minutes away with his mommy, uh, with his mommy and uh, his uh, sisters. Uh, why didn't he talk to his daddy while he was there? Well, maybe he's mad at him. Maybe they, they, they had a falling out. Yeah, but you see, Did that, you ever hear of that? That adds to the intrigue. Don't you understand, Pauline? Aren't you at least at all curious about that? No, no, I'm not. Who, what was, what was that? Know, this is the real world. Pauline, what was that? don't talk to their father if they have some issue with them. Pauline. It's no big deal. What was that and noise? this guy says that, that he was going in there purposely to kill black people when he didn't even kill any black people. Well, you know that, and I know that, and the caller obviously knew that also. Well, you know, that caller, if he's so afraid of white people, he should stay in the house and lock the doors. Wait a second. He went from call. He went from East New York to Bronx. He's in Caldwell, New Jersey. He is surrounded by white people now, Pauline. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, we'll never get along if that's how he thinks. Well, and, that, and I think I think that's where a lot of them, you know, think it, it's it's just uh, forget it. It's it's a lost cause. Well, you re- All right. Well, thank you for listening. Well, I had I'm- to listen. You know, it's your turn to be heard. I may not agree with everything you said, nor the previous caller, but hey, you know, callers have a right to be heard. Right. I mean, you're going to be listening coming up. You're going to be listening at one o'clock to Frank Morano, who runs his mouth a mile a minute. He doesn't know when to shut up, right? Yeah, but I, I'm listening to you. Good. And I like I like what I hear. Good. But I, I just want you to speak up when it's the truth, you know? You think I got a little weak and soft on him? Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, I got to man up, right? <laughs> yeah, you have to man up. I got to take control of that microphone. Right, right, good, uh, right, good. Good, good. Maybe All I'll right, make you honey. my coach, All, my coach okay. here at WABC. All right, good, thank good. Thank you, thank you. All right, me. talk to you soon. Oh, Bye. My pleasure. See, I didn't man up. That, now, remember, originally there was the caller from Inwood who said I got weak on Chris Hahn. He said that I got weak and soft on Chris Hahn earlier today from 3 to 5, the aggressive progressive against yours truly. Boy, that took me That took me for because I happened to say at the end of the program, after two hours with Chris Hahn, hey, that was a really good program. All of a sudden, that's showing weakness. I'm soft. I fold like a cheap camera. Is that is that what this has all come down to, ladies and gentlemen? That I always have to persevere, that I always have to man up? Can I sometimes sort of feel my female side? You know, every person has a male side and a female side, a hard side and a soft side. You know, let's just say I didn't have any Viagra today before I came on the air. My God. But I appreciate that. I appreciate the constructive criticism. Anyway, let's go to uh, Steve, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Steve. All right. I tried doing something useful when they were looking for volunteers to take the test, uh, the, the, the drugs. Well, wait a I, second. Steve, you were going to put your arm out and get yeah. stabbed with the uh, Pfizer vaccine? No, while the, no, the, they needed to test people. 
Yeah, and what what motivated you to want to be a testee? Um, feel useful. All right, and, and now, did you eventually go through the process? No, that's what I'm calling to say. Oh. So the tests are, fu- are, flu- are fluent, not fluent. He asked me about my medical history. We were talking, told him my age. I told him that, that and then when I got down there, I take the Keppra. That's a, uh, like for, I take, I have psychomotor seizures. No, no, I understand. That's serious stuff. So actually, wait, wait a second. That's seizures. Yeah. That's serious stuff. So he did you a solid by not administering the test vaccine to you. No. So look, I want to champion you. You did man up, Steve, and you were truthful. You did tell the doctor administering the test vaccine at the time, because it had not been ratified by the FDA, that you suffer from seizures, and he did the right thing by saying, no, 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 we're not going to jeopardize your health even more. That's the correct thing to do. You manned up, Steve, and whoever was administering the test vaccine backed off, got weak. He didn't want to jeopardize you and put you in a bad situation. Our number is 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Neck and neck with me, though, is Dominic Carter. He's part of the varsity here at WABC at nights. Bill O'Reilly from 9 to 10, varsity. Rita Cosby, 10 to 12, varsity. Dominic Carter, 12 to 1, varsity. And then uh, Varsity star Frank Morano, the other side of midnight from 1 to 5, before you get the news block with Frank Morano and Jet Set Juliet, and then the boys. That's right, Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg. Although Thursday, Tom Turkey Day, uh, Maytag Chris Hahn has to ask permission from his wife if he can come do the show with me, substituting for Bernard McGurk. And and Sid Rosenberg, because he, he's a Maytag to his wife, and she's telling him, you got to cook the rice turkey. That's right, he's got a turkey made out of rice the San Francisco tree, because that reflects his politics. Man, that's what a sad sack he is. And then we'll be on Friday morning also from 6 to 10. So you better write all that down. It gets a little confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're varsity. We're not like JV. Frankie Russo, although speaking of Dominic Carter... Born and raised in the Patterson Projects in the South Bronx. Let me tell you, off of 138th and 3rd Avenue, those are tough projects. Then he moved to the, the Neck, the Throg's Neck Projects. Then he did Hop, Skipping, and Jumping. This guy knows more about New York also, except the one thing he knows nothing about and he needs to shut his mouth is when he tries to sing. The other night before listening to Frank Morano, I was listening to Dominic Carter, who all of a sudden thought, that he was going to be signed up by Motown. Listen to this udiscraziata, this shanda, as he destroyed this song. And we are back, Dominic Carter, with you. Leave the music up, please. I love this song. I think it goes back to my college days. But I, I can't, I can't go for that. Just bear with me one second, folks. You want me to do, yeah. 12.40 a.m. God. That you want me to do, but I can't go for that. Does he actually think he's good? 
Hey, Dominic, if you're listening in Ramapo out there in Rockland County, leave it to Beaverland, Father Knows Best, Little House on the Prairie. Save it for the shower stall. They would never have allowed you to get, get away with that, singing like that in the hallways or the stairwells of the Patterson projects where you grew up in the heart of the South Bronx on 138th and 3rd. Oh, my God, he actually thinks he's good. He's tone deaf. Hopefully when he went to church, they didn't pick him for the choir. That's for sure. Oh, there'd have been nobody left in the pews. Anyway, let's go to Ernest, who's calling from Riverdale in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ernest. Good evening. How are you doing today? Oh, hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. See, we got to go back to basic training here for talk radio listeners because the rest of the varsity here just has not properly trained them. How you doing, right, Ernest? How you doing? You see, right away, it's like a tick. Almost every caller said, how you doing? I've had better days. So you understand, Ernest? You want to eliminate yes. that. Eliminate it. Get right into it. Okay. These people who are getting laid off from not taking the, the, the vaccine, they're paid by the taxpayers' money. But but they're getting dismissed and, and laid off. But, yeah, we're paying for this service. However, the service is not being rendered. Now, 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 hold on a second, Ernest. Uh, I've known quite a few of the people uh, who uh, it's not necessarily laid off. Uh, let's call it what it is. They're fired. They're, they're not getting they're fired. They cannot apply for unemployment. They can't even go out and get another job. They're fired. Yeah, but we pay for the taxpayers are paying for this service. We're we're paying it. We're paying for this service. So. You, 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 if, the, if the government is taking our money, but we're not, they're, they're, there's nobody picking up the garbage, and there's no firemen, there's no police. Well, then where's where's the rebate for the taxpayer? Interesting, a rebate for taxpayers. You know they have that fake, phony, fraudulent rebate in New Jersey for not only homeowners but also for renters. Have you ever gotten that, uh, Ernest? No, sir, I have not. Well, see, they have this thing. It's a form of you being bamboozled as a taxpayer. Right before Christmas, who's ever the governor, whether it was previously El Jefe, Shamu, Chris Christie, or presently uh, Murphy, uh, they put their signature on the check. They're sending you a rebate if you're paying property taxes or if you're paying rent they send you, yeah, a rebate check as if it's their money, like it's sending it to you. It's your money, Ernest. I know. It's, it's not no rebate. It's technology. And I can't tell you how many taxpayers in New Jersey say, oh, I got my rebate. And look, Shamu El Jefe, Chris Christie signed it before. Now, <gasps> Murphy, before he was throwing back a few in Trenton. See that? You learned something here listening to the Curtis Sleever Show, didn't you, Ernest? Yes, sir, I did. Thank you. See, now, that's the kind of caller we need. He came on and he made a faux pas, right? He said, how you doing? And I instructed you, right, Ernest? Yes, sir. And you took it like a man. You didn't get all upset. You promised as you squeezed your gonads together, you promised that you would never do it again, right? Promise. Good. Now, that's a man's man. You see that? That's the kind of callers we want, like Ernest. Anyway, let's go to the phones. 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Frank, calling from Strong Island, a.k.a. Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Frankie. 
Before I get to my main point, I want to tell you you're wrong. Dominic shouldn't even be allowed to sing in the shower. (laughs) And then I want to say, (laughs) as far as Frank Morano goes, I hope he's listening to the master before his show so he can learn something about doing the radio. Okay? Because the master is, is on right now. The master blaster. That's you, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Now I listen. am the master blaster. There's no doubt about it. You can't trust the guy that doesn't know how to pronounce his name. He doesn't know whether he's Morano or Morano. Now, okay? So could, now look, trust? he could be confused. I, and I'll tell you why. Uh, understand this. You need to ask Frank Morano how old he is. We don't even know how old he is. He will never answer that. How old is Frank Morano? When you look at his Facebook profile, he has his picture from his junior high school days in Staten Island. (laughs) I mean, the guy can't even tell you. By the way, he's not alone. My wife coming on, Nancy, that many people accuse me of robbing the cradle of. Uh, she, I don't even know her age when she battles Rudy Giuliani over pigeons in the 12 midnight hour. Uh, she won't even tell me how old she is. Listen, you're so lucky to have her that it's none of your business what her age is, okay? <laughs> <laughs> because you're the luckiest guy in the world. You know, people come up to me, and I'm standing there with Nancy, and they go up to Nancy and they say, Hey, how is it uh, having Curtis as a father? Hey, I want to tell you about the, uh, maybe I should address this to the amateur psychiatrist in Caldwell. I want to remind people that a a 12-person jury unanimously found him not guilty, Rittenhouse, okay? 12 people unanimous. So that means he's not guilty. And as far as the statement that uh, Mr. Caldwell made, that he went there to shoot black people, he's got to be a poor shot because he he shot three white people. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, maybe he's, he's not so good with the gun. I but don't you know. have to admit, a caller from Caldwell, originally from East New York, rebounded to the Bronx and ended up in Caldwell, made some very cogent observations about his relationship possibly with his father, who was from Kenosha. I want to know, how does he know? This guy's, how does he know? Maybe he talked to his father five times a day on the phone. How would he know whether what he did with his father? But it is interesting that really the only person we were introduced to from his family was his mother, right? Yeah, but like the other lady said, you know, family problems, they exist everywhere. That's true. That's so, true. Look I, at you. I've got three boys. That's right. Look at me. What a hot mess I am. Hey, let me tell you something. You're the best thing besides Rudy that ever happened in that city. What you've given to that city and your knowledge of the city is incredible. And how those people could be so stupid in that city not not to realize what a great mayor you would have been. Well, just think of it in this capacity, Frank. Uh, New York City's loss is WABC listeners' gain, right? Yes. <laughs> well, I try to, you know, I try to make the best out of it. You know, <laughs> some of them yeah, actually. You know, you, you know, the the the, the mayor elect, 
he goes on TV on that 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 dumb show at night. Uh, whatever his name is, that guy, Bill Maher. And he Bill Maher. He, he presents him with a packet of bamboo and marijuana because New York is now it's now legal in New York. This is what you do as the mayor elect. Well, that, actually, let me let me correct I myself. Yeah, let me correct myself. That was Stephen Colbert, uh, CBS yeah, yeah. Channel Two. Who, by the way, uh, made fun of me when I lost Eric Adams uh, and promoted my kitten that I brought to the polling booth who was not permitted to join me when I cast my vote. Obviously, I voted for myself. Uh, Gizmo. Gizmo now has her own Facebook account. Gizmo. She is more popular than me, Nancy, and all 16 of the other rescue cats. You know, you are such an unbelievable person. You are so unique. I, there's not enough good things that people could say about you, even though you have a lot of faults. <laughs> Damn right. Do I have you know, a lot you of faults? Are, you are such a, a real person. And your knowledge of that city, is, is, I, I've never met anyone who has the knowledge of the city that you have. Well, just uh, knowing that the other evening when I confronted Frankie Russo, the JV member, and they say, hey, hey pal, where are you from? And he's stumbling, stumbling. I said, you know me, I'm from Canarsie. Where you from? Says Kings Plaza area. What what kind of mamaluke are you, Kings Plaza area? What? No tough guys from the Kings Plaza area. Oh, he's never been the same. It, it, It shook him right down to his roots. New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Speaking of Mike Humbadichich, Rudy Giuliani. Uh, He was on with Dr. Maria earlier today, as he is every Sunday from 10 to 11 before Judge Jeanine Pirro, who, by the way, was the star of Saturday Night Live again last night. The actress uh, playing her part. Uh, Judge Jeanine never mentioned it. Uh, Like like it's a show of no consequence. Almost anyone else would have devoted their whole program to talking about how that actress uh, had uh, performed in her role. But anyway. Rudy Giuliani was on with Dr. Maria, and towards the end of their program, they started talking about a subject very close and personal to my wife, Nancy, the plight of the city pigeons. Well, you know, I love our studio here. We have big windows, so uh, I like to look outside, look at the people, but we have these pigeons on the ledges. I, I, yeah, I, I do love birds. I love to to identify different sounds. And pigeons you think of as dirty birds, but there's like this purple hue, and they're nice and big and fat, and they're sleeping. Like they get their heads in their chest. You don't like them? What? You, you, what? you don't like flying the rats? Flying rats. They're flying rats. Flying. So uh, New York City pigeons are flying rats. I don't know what they are in Italy looking, or other places. They're looking at you. Well, this no. This guy got his head. He's stuck sleeping. in his, he's, he's got his, his head chest. stuck in his yeah. Yeah. big fat chest or something. <laughs> they are fat. They are fat. Yeah, well, this other guy's doing the same thing. Yeah, that purple little thing back yeah, there. But I mean, they're nice. dirty as heck. <laughs> they have all kinds of diseases. I know that. I know they have all kinds of diseases. Cardinals on our ledges. <laughs> I, but these, I mean, nice. these, these guys are uh, flying rats. Let me tell you something. My wife Nancy took great umbrage uh, to that statement because. The Pigeons have returned here to WABC when I uh, reappeared last Sunday for my first show back from uh, losing the mayoralty to mayor-elect Eric Adams. The Pigeons follow me everywhere because I feed the Pigeons. I am the Pigeon Man of New York City. And my wife, 
She's even more of an extremist. She carries around birdseed wherever she goes. She sees pigeons. She feeds them. She will be taking on my Cumbalicic, Rudy Giuliani, at the top of the hour. Anyway, let's talk to Salvatore in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard about pigeons here at WABC, Salvatore. Curtis, great to have you back. Uh, Just beautiful. The legend returns. So, buddy, listen, I'm an animal lover. And I look at everything like the cycle of life now. Pigeons, I'm not talking about the pigeons, the stool pigeons that put away a lot of my friends for many years. <laughs> Curtis, you know, buddy? <laughs> it, you know who loves pigeons in New York City, Curtis? Besides you and your, your, myself to, to an extent. Now, not the squeegee guys who make a lot of money cleaning those windshields. <laughs> Not uh, Juliet's exes, who, uh, <laughs> so they have something to eat while living under those bridges. You know? <laughs> We're talking about, Curtis, hawks. That's right. The hawks. Hmm. The birds of prey that I don't know if a lot of people don't know. They're all around New York, especially around Central Park. They swoop in like a smorgasbord at one of Juliet's uh, wedding receptions, you know? And... <laughs> Think about it, Curtis. Isn't everything like a cycle of life? Yeah, there's a lot of pigeons, but the hawks are eating good, right? Let me tell you, uh, Sal, in the times that you've been on parole, have you ever been permitted to go to the parkside in Corona near the old Spaghetti Park, the parkside restaurant? Well, Curtis, are you talking about uh, Tough Tony's joint? Yes, Tough Tony. I have been there several times, a uh, delicious meal, and uh, that uh, a perfect little area. It's clean as a whistle. I love it. They will not serve me there, though I will explain. Tough Tony had a pigeon coop on the roof for Parkside, like a lot of Italians, like my, my uncles did, Uncle Vincenzo. And he had his uh, homers and his Boston Baldies, and he'd be flying around. And guess who swooped in from nearby Flushing Meadow Park to swipe some of the birds? Who's that? The Hawks. Exactly. So, so Tough Tony took his sort of shotgun up there and started firing at the Hawks. So the Wait cop, a minute. Yeah, so the coppers came there, and they took him for a psych observation. And I always got blamed for that. Now, come on. Would I be a stool pigeon on Tough Tony? Come on, Sal. Curtis, they couldn't get you to flip... If you were, uh, you know, a pancake at a local diner, buddy, I know that. <laughs> so if Tough Tony has it in for me. Every time I've gone to Parkside, I sat there. I sat there at a very important event. And I told the people at that event, they're not going to serve us. He said, what are you talking about? We brought some very important people. I said, it doesn't matter. I'm sitting here. The moment I walked in, we won't even get a glass of water. We were sitting there an hour. We didn't even get bread breadsticks to crunch on. I said, I think I better leave. The moment I walked out that door, boom, they got five 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 card top shelf treatment. Well, Curtis, you may you know I hate to say it. I mean, you're very everybody knows Curtis, you know, especially in New York, but you know, worldwide, in my opinion. You know, you may, if you want to get sounds to me, like if you want to get something to eat over there, you may have to go in there, uh, you know, incognito, you know, like. Uh, under wraps, I don't know if people well, pull that I, I got to tell you, uh, my two sons, uh, they live nearby, uh, so I don't take them to Parkside. 
I did take him to Russo's, though, down on Cross Bay Boulevard. Have you ever been to Russo's, uh, Sal? Russo's, yeah. Cross Bay, that's, uh, yeah, that's closer. Oh, um, wait a minute. Is that the... Uh... Not the catering hall. Not the big okay. catering hall. But the restaurant, the other side. And I walked All in right. there with my two sons, Carter, who's now 13, and uh, Hunter, who's 11. And they love the Parmesan cheese. But Russo has a standing rule. It's not just for me. It's a big sign. It says, no hats, no fedoras. So I walk in. And right away, Russo comes up to me. And he's mad-dogging me and eye-fornicating me. He goes, Curtis, I know you many years, right? I said, yeah, yeah, Russo. The beret's got to come off your head. And I turn to the kids. And I say, you know, nobody ever tells daddy to take off his beret. But we want the Parmesan cheese here. We want the Parmesan cheese. So what do you think I did, Salvatore? What would you do? I, I, bet I, 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 can, I bet I know. Well, go ahead, Curtis. I took my beret off for the kids. Oh, wow. I'm surprised. Because you know my opinion here? I look at you with that beret, Curtis. And you know how, like, the, the old the biker gangs, you know, and I'm not going to name any names, you know. But yep. They won't take their cars off of nobody. That's right. You know that. See, it's the same concept. I don't take my beret off for nobody. My wife, Nancy, says, why don't you take the freaking beret off your head? Let your hair breathe. I said, there's no hair under the beret. That's one of the reasons I wear the beret, Sal. Well, I look at it like this. To me, with all you've done in the city, that's not only a beret, but when it, especially no subways, Curtis, that's like a... You know, like the old Romans, it's a helmet of war occasionally, you know. So <laughs> You're absolutely right, Salvatore. Great call there. See, he remembers stuff, Tony, from Parkside. He went up to the roof. He had Pigeon Coop, the Boston Baldies and the Homers, and he would fly them round and round. He had a, quite the coop, and the Hawks would come in from Flushing Meadow Park and snatch up the pigeons. And so he went up there with a sawed-off shotgun and started firing away. And the coppers came, took him for a psych evaluation. And who got blamed? Yours truly, Curtis Lee. Would I drop dime on Tough Tony? You're damn right I would. I love the Parmesan cheese. I love ratting, ratting out those mobsters choking on their lobsters. Anyway, let's go to April, who's calling from nearby Parkside on the other side of Flushing Meadow Park. Astoria, Queens, your turn to be heard here at WABC, April. Hi, how are you? Hold on a second. Low, low April here. i got to take the call. You see, the callers, they, they've learned bad habits with all these other talk show hosts and hostesses here. They let them get away with saying, how you doing? Thank you for taking my call. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna beat up April because she sounds like a very nice woman. But you're gonna ask me, callers, how you doing? And I'm gonna say I've had better days. Right? That should be a tip right there that you went the wrong way. Now, April, you're such a nice woman. Do you understand what the rules of engagement are? Yes. Now I do. Okay. Very good. Very good. You're okay. on a, a good learning curve. <laughs> okay. The two things I wanted to ask you. I don't know which to ask you first. Now, um. I want to ask you, if you were mayor, if you had been, what would be your tactic? What would be your way of getting the private office people back into those 30 and 40 story office buildings? Because the way I see it, the tourists will go to the museums that are open to, you know, the theater and they'll go to Lincoln Center, all that stuff, the restaurants. But the main flow, how do you get that street traffic up 
if the office workers and the private business owners are letting their people work, maybe 50% of them are working remotely. Because the street brilliant. vendors cannot brilliant. work. Brilliant. No, no. You work. are brilliant, April. It is the question that I answered honestly. Nobody wanted to hear my response during the campaign. You're not getting them back. They've learned to work at home. They have a better quality of life. They can be with their family longer. They patronize businesses in their neighborhoods. Uh, some people, they have to socialize. They need other workers within proximity in their circumference. But there are others who have learned they can be just as productive and have a much better quality of life, whether they live in the tri-state area or beyond, or they even live in the city. They don't want to go into the belly of the beast, midtown Manhattan. And why do we think we can force them to do that? I don't think it's going to happen. The lockdown and pandemic have taught us we got to do things differently. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa, Talk Radio 77 WABC. Started the program earlier today and moments before. The news of the night was that in Waukesha, Wisconsin, right outside of Milwaukee, a suburb there, that at the annual, I call it what it is, Christmas uh, parade, although they renamed it Holiday Parade because they don't want to be canceled. They're so politically correct. A, uh, a uh, red SUV plowed into the crowd apparently injuring up to uh, 24 seriously adults and children and killing some. Multiple fatalities. And the Waukesha Police Department, Chief of Police, uh, seems to be alluding to the fact that they have the driver in custody and he may well have been fleeing another crime scene that he was a participant in, which could be either on the other side of the border with Milwaukee or in Waukesha itself, waiting other details on that. Also, this is the hour that you've been looking for to listen because it will be a uh, titanic struggle of an issue that rarely is talked about on talk radio, but it is an issue in the streets and the subways of New York City. And yes, occasionally when workers return to the glass and concrete encased buildings that are now vacant in the aftermath of the lockdown and pandemic, as many workers have learned, they can do their work just as well at home, if not better, without having to uh, schlep all the way to work, uh, be like sardines in mass transit, two hours one way, two hours the other way, and still get their work done and have peace of mind and a quality of life and spend more family time. We'll discuss that in future programs, because I was the only candidate running for citywide office who was acknowledging that. Everybody else is saying, oh, it's happy days to here again. You know, don't worry, everybody will return. They're not. For a number of reasons. But one group that never left during the lockdown and pandemic, and they've only grown as we have not yet been able to come up with a a method of birth control with them, are street pigeons. They're everywhere. I love them. During the mayoral campaign, I was called the pigeon man. Because even to this day, even though I lost to mayor-elect Eric Adams, Pigeons follow me everywhere, everywhere. In fact, they're all around here, the studio of WABC now. And that was brought to everybody's attention earlier today in the show that you ought to be listening to on Sunday mornings from 10 to 11. It's uh, Michael Mbadicic, Rudy Giuliani. Uh, 
with Dr. Maria. And towards the end of their discourse, before passing off the microphone to the star of Saturday Night Live, although you never would have known it, listening to Jeanine Pirro. In fact, she was the opening scene on Saturday Night Live, the actress there, who uh, did a marvelous, marvelous imitation of Jeanine Pirro. Was Rudy Giuliani and Dr. Marie riffing about pigeons? Well, you know, I love our studio here. We have big windows, so... Uh, I like to look outside, look at the people, but we have these pigeons on the ledges. I, I, yeah, I, I do love birds. I love to to identify different sounds. And pigeons you think of as dirty birds, but there's like this purple hue, and they're nice and big and fat, and they're sleeping. Like they get their heads in their chest. You don't like the what? You, you, what? You don't like flying the rats? Flying rats. They're people. flying rats. Flying so uh, New York City pigeons are flying rats. I don't know what they are in Italy looking, or other places. They're looking at you. Well, this no. This guy got his head he's stuck sleeping. in his. He's in got his, his head chest. stuck in yeah. his yeah. big fat chest or something. <laughs> they are fat. They are fat. Yeah, well, this other guy's doing the same thing. Yeah, that purple little thing back yeah, there. It is but I mean, they're nice. dirty as heck. <laughs> But they have all kinds of diseases. I know that. I know they have all kinds of diseases. We need some cardinals on our ledges. <laughs> I, but these, I mean, nice. these, these guys are, just, are flying rats. Now, on the line to engage uh, Michael Buttigieg, Rudy Giuliani, who I have not oftentimes disagreed with over the years. I have had my uh, separations from time to time from Rudy, but most times I've generally been uh, insimpatico with him. But I break ranks with him on that. As you know, I am the pigeon man. But the person who supersedes me in that department is my wife, Nancy, Nancy Sliwa, who not only feeds pigeons on a regular basis, but whenever she is in transport, wherever she's going, whether it's on a subway, a bus, or walking around, always has bird seed in her pocket. Is that is that correct, Nancy? That is. So, so thank you for having me on. And, uh, you know, w- you know, with all due respect to uh, Rudy, um, I-, I have to say, like, you know, pigeons, they need much more acknowledgement in New York City because they clearly are what should be the bird of New York City overall. No question. Now, you grew up out in Bohemia in Suffolk County. There weren't too many pigeons out there. How did you develop this affinity for what Rudy referred to as street rats. Well, I mean, not, I mean, in many ways, I think it was the same way that I I um, became accustomed to um, colony cats, like outdoor cats. You know, until I was in New York City, I didn't realize how many there were. So, um, the at this point, obviously, there's not a super great census with the pigeons, but it's either like one pigeon for every person or one pigeon for every two people. There's a lot of pigeons that live in New York City, and they're not really acknowledged. So um, the New York State bird is actually a bluebird, which has a, a you know several hundred thousand, and then they leave when the weather gets cold. They come back when the weather gets warm. But pigeons, they're like New York City residents. Like they hang on no matter what's going on. When the weather gets cold, they just hang out in the subways. Like they don't leave New York City. So it's like I think we really need to start nominating the pigeon as the official bird of New York City. Now, uh, I have seen you, when you've been in my company, (laughs) reach into your pocket, whether it's a jacket you're wearing or jeans, 
And the moment you see pigeons in the area, you will spread the area with bird seed. Uh, when did you start doing that? Well, I mean, I think the, the thing that got me is when, I mean, I noticed them initially, but when I started seeing pigeons walking around where it's like they had like, you know, like several toes, like, you know, gone, it's like, I didn't realize that the pigeons were really struggling against stuff. So unfortunately, the same way that outdoor, um, you know, cats and, and obviously not so much dogs, but it's like they're viewed as pests. So there's no protection for pigeons. So, you know, along building sides, like if they don't want pigeons to hang out, they put up spikes. There's no laws against harming a pigeon. So you have a lot of pigeons walking around with like, you know, half a foot. And that's apparently okay, according to the law. That's something that really, you know, gripped at my heartstrings. It's like, wait, this this is so wrong. Like they're living creatures, like living creatures, like they can't, you know, they have, you know, sort of that sort of thing to them like it's really unfortunate that there's zero protection for them but then again it's like it's just sort of emblematic you know for the fact that even like you know pets and households they have no protection so pigeons have like you know zero protection unfortunately i think uh nancy we could help resolve part of this problem if we could figure out how to get pigeons to poop less I think part of the problem is is that people see pigeons, and if they're perched on their windowsill, they start pooping. They're constantly pooping, and in fact, oftentimes in an aerial uh, formation, they drop poop simultaneously right on your car or your head. Well, you know what? The funny thing with that is, like, so I understand the practical issue with that, but when I've um, gone out to, like, you know, feed the pigeons or happen to feed them in the mornings, like, when people are walking their dogs, like, not for nothing, I mean, the dogs are sort of, uh, you know, doing their business on the street, but for some reason, they don't realize the distinction there, but they're annoyed with the pigeons. It's like, you know, I mean, you have to have some heart, you know, like, for realizing this is the situation. Like, we don't want to be harming living creatures, so... I mean, I don't see why pigeon stuff is any different than dogs, personally. Now, Nancy, uh, on occasion, uh, neighbors and others have confronted you because <laughs> you have been feeding pigeons, right? Oh, yeah, aggressively, yes. What do they do? Give us an idea of what they do to you. Well, no, I mean, they're definitely aggressive. You know, I mean, as though I created the pigeons. And, you know, I try to explain to them, like, look, you know, these are living creatures, you know, and then they try to say, oh, well, they're, they're wild. They can find, you know, the food, you know, and, you know, and I, then I sort of uh, go the next step to question them. I'm like, okay, do you know the census? Do you know wh- what food sources they find? Like, okay, not for nothing. They don't really know how these animals are existing. But the point is, like, the reason why um, these pigeons, like the foods that they feed off of um, lots of times are, related to, you know, what people are, you know, putting in the garbage. So there's a reason why the pigeon population in New York City is so large. And then as, you know, sort of a response of like, you know, the COVID, people being, you know, less out there, there was a smaller food source. But again, I mean, this is what it is. Like these animals are just looking for something to feed on. So if you want to address, I mean, you know, nature has a great way of addressing these issues naturally. 
it works out on its own right. You don't have to really step in and do something different. But, you know, you have to be cognizant of the fact that these are, you know, living, feeling creatures. Well, well, so, how, how about this? Uh, a number of people have come up to me because they figure <laughs> it's easier for them to talk to me than to talk to you because you won't <laughs> stop feeding the pigeons. They say, Curtis, why don't you and your wife spend time trying to develop pigeon condoms? And to serve as a form of birth control because the pigeons, they keep multiplying at rapid rates. Is that a possibility? Well, you know, I mean, again, and, and certainly that could be a possibility. But but again, like to, to the point of the fact that it's like, you know, they're viewed um, according to um, New York State and New York City law, they're viewed as pests. So companies are, you know, able to just sort of um, eradicate them. But if you, you know, classify them differently, then maybe that same amount of funding could go toward, you know, like lowering the population and, and doing like, you know, to your point, like, you know, making sure that they weren't, you know, procreating left and right. So I think it really is about a focus. And if you want to be humane and you want to be caring, like that should be the focus. Now, you heard. Mike Umbalicic, Rudy Giuliani, describe pigeons as uh, carrying diseases airborne at times. Well, I mean, he, he might have had like a, a like a car that was underneath, like where pigeons were perching. He, I mean, it sounds like maybe he was annoyed <laughs> by their particular activities. But <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling he got pooped on a number of times when he was mayor and he took umbrage to that. I mean, yeah, you have one bad situation, and it's unfortunately, it melds your personality. You know, uh, for a lot of Italians, especially from southern Italy, I think uh, Rudy's family was from northern Italy. They always had their noses in the air compared to those <laughs> south of Roma. Uh, but pigeons is considered a delicacy. Pigeon soup. Are you aware of that? I am aware of this. Yes, yes, yes. So you wouldn't want to see these pigeons sort of turned into soup, would you? Oh, absolutely not. Of course not. Of course. And you are aware that there is a a, a group of people that actually raise pigeons. Those aren't the pigeons you see in the streets, but have pigeon coops and race them and bet incredible amounts of money by flying them, well, not flying them, by driving them all the way to Florida, releasing them from their cages, and then time-checking them upon their arrival at their home coop here in the tri-state area. You know, what's interesting is that in New York City, there's no law against, um, you know, doing anything bad against a pigeon who's a nuisance, but they have um, two exceptions, and one of them is like what you just said, like the homing pigeons, so it's like this is their nature. They constantly go back to where they came from. So knowing that, and it, it's like it, it sort of it, to me, it's like very um, you know, reminiscent of like how the colony cats are, the cats who live outdoors. You know, no matter how far they may stray in different blocks, they always come back home. So it's like when you know that they consider this their home there's a lot of ways to address the population issue because, you know, they're always coming back home. So I think that's really the starting you know, point for everything. I know for a lot of uh, men out there, uh, it has been a mood elevator to have a uh, pigeon coop. Uh, in fact, uh, Mike Tyson, the boxer, when he yeah. uh, grew up on Amboy Street in Brownsville, Brooklyn, never ran, never will, uh, had a pigeon coop there. 
Uh, my uncle Vincenzo had his pigeon coops, and in fact, uh, in the competitions, oftentimes people would fly the birds in a pattern, try to distract the birds on your coop so they would be attracted into their flock. In essence, they'd be rustling your pigeons from their from your coop to their coop. There'd be pigeon wars. I mean, and again, it's like just speaking to the the you know overall personality of the pigeon. It's like you know you you know their tendencies, you know what they're doing, you know you know how to kind of work with them, and also they're just very innocent creatures. So if you want to assist in the issue, yeah, you can do it. You can you can work it. So it's like you know what they're doing. They're coming back home. So that's the good news. Well, I think we're going to have to stage a debate. Between the former mayor of the city of New York, Mike Humbadicic, Rudy Giuliani, who hates pigeons. He calls them flying rats. And uh, my wife, Nancy, who you've just listened to, Nancy Sliwa, animal rights activist and pigeon lover extraordinaire, who walks around with with birdseed in her pocket, feeding pigeons everywhere. Always. Why is it, though, the majority of those that feed pigeons, not always, but the majority appear to be older women with sacks of breadcrumbs. Well, I mean, I, I think that's just like the, the, you know, the logic that comes with experience of life. It's like once you start seeing, you know, animals who are in need, same way that you see people in need, you know, th- there's that sort of, a, you know, it pulls at your heartstrings like, you don't want them to suffer. So I think that, you know, the knowledge comes with the wisdom of lifetime, personally. All right. Do appreciate it, uh, Nancy Sliwa, advocate for the pigeons versus Rudy Giuliani, their adversary. Let's quickly go, though, to Gene, who's calling from Manhattan. Uh, welcome to the Curtis Sliwa Show, Gene. Thank you very much. Uh, I live in the West Village, and uh, I've always been interested in the birds in our area. We do see a lot of seagulls, of course. We didn't after 9-11 for a long, long time, but we get a lot of crows in our area after the pigeon eggs, and we have fire escapes, and uh, so we have to watch out for the crows, and I actually watched a crow go after a seagull that had picked up part of a chicken, and the two of them were going forward, and the seagull was trying to go as fast as he could carrying this piece of chicken in his (laughs) beak and the crow was going after him like crazy and uh so the crows are after pigeon eggs at least when they lay their eggs and uh the pigeons of course love to get on fire escapes and i see a lot of pigeons going after pizza crusts by the bus stops oh yeah they seem to love that in fact uh, long long ago uh, living in the west village I remember seeing elderly lady with uh, shopping bags of breadcrumbs, not birdseed, but breadcrumbs, scattering them around. Uh, I also know that in places like our city parks and around them, we see signs that say, please don't feed the pigeons, uh, the actual sign of request. And uh, I do find that the sidewalks, at least in those areas, seem to be pretty clear of uh, pigeons. Well, uh, I, I will tell you this, G. There's a much more humane way to deal with pigeons if you consider them a nemesis. You just put up wooden owls. There are in some windowsills, people put out, instead of those spikes, 
They really torture the pigeons. Really, it's not humane at all. It's inhumane. But they put up wooden owls the same way in a cornfield. They put up a. Uh, they'll put up a. Uh, uh, in order to scare the crows away, put up a scarecrow. My father, Chester, who grew up in Chicago in an area called Sherman Park. He went to an elementary school in Sherman Park. He had a crow that would fly with him to school and fly home called Jimmy, would perch himself on his shoulder. Jimmy would actually wait for my father uh, to get out of school. This is elementary school in Sherman Park in uh, Chicago on the windowsill and fly back and forth. Crows, trust me, crows are extremely bright. What is it? Uh, former President Donald Trump calls uh, <laughs> the minority leader of the Senate, <gasps> uh, Mr. <laughs> An old crow. You know what I'm talking about. WABC. Listen to these super hit sounds from Red Apple Media Podcasts. Joan Hamburg's Let Me Tell You. We love the theater. It's the heart of New York City. Bernard McGurk's American Lives Matter. And you're talking politics, so now you're in the political arena. Rita Cosby's Protecting America. Because this is a hot issue. And so much more. Listen now. Go to WABCRadio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. To the phones we go. It's Leo calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Leo. Uh, hi, doing? Uh, you was Curtis with your wife talking uh, a few days ago about the horses in the Central Park. Uh, I think more her. He was just nodding. There was a talk about they, uh, the drivers don't understand that they're not going to lose jobs. They just can use electric carriages. I know me coming 30 years ago from Germany, from big city, from Stuttgart. One of the first trips with the kids was to see Central Park and go on the horses. It's just for the tourists and for lovers. It's the contrast of the biggest city of the world, one of the biggest cities, and in the middle is a forest, and you can sit on the horse, behind the horse. For kids, some of them never saw a horse. They not in a zoo, horses, and in big city, city kids, they never saw from up close the horses. I got to tell you, though, Leo, uh, most cities have discontinued the use of horse-drawn carriages. Chicago has banned them. Third world countries like Santo Domingo in the DR, Guadalajara in Mexico, Bombay, a.k.a. Mumbai in India now have the electric carriages. So those who uh, were uh, taking care of the horse-drawn carriages, uh, the drivers, they now drive the electric uh, cars. So they haven't lost their income. And uh, at first, I was a believer like you, Leo, that, oh, it's, a, it's an attraction to New York City. And then I started looking at these horses, and they're, uh, they're all like sad sacks. They're, their heads are always down, facing the uh, asphalt. And then imagine you're sitting there all day, and occasionally you're taking out tourists from places like Nebraska, uh, where they think a salad bar actually is uh, eating 
uh, macaroni, not macaroni salad, but potatoes and macaroni. So they're like 400 pounds a piece. They get in the carriage, which is like a 1,000 pounds to begin with. So you're talking about this horse having to schlep around about 2,500 pounds, and they need to socialize. Horses need to socialize with other horses. So that was one Goodness, of my- I, I Yes, love- go ahead, Leo. Goodness, I love animals. I'm not against that maybe solution would be just just a restriction inside the central park. They would be just inside the, the central park. Well, 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 the well, you see, between the Bill de Blasio promised, that's one of the reasons that he was uh, elected. Bill de Blasio promised that he would get rid of the horse-drawn carriages, and he lied to the general public because as a mayor... You have to go through the city council. He said he could do that through executive order. He lied. He knowingly lied about that. And he's just tried to do it in the last few uh, weeks of his mayoralty. And again, he's lied to the general public about it. But we will agree to disagree. By the way, to those of you who are great talk radio listeners, the one who used to be in the forefront of battling against the horse-drawn carriages was one of the greatest broadcasters of all time, Barry Gray. He used to be the mid-morning guy on WMCA and then WOR. And even though he believed in the Second Amendment, he was a pistol carrier, originally born and raised in L.A. In the golden age of radio, he actually did programs from nightclubs. That's when radio was king. There was no TV. Uh, The mob messed around with him. They broke his arm. He was a real tough guy, Barry Gray but totally compassionate and caring towards the horses in the horse carriage industry, took him on. Uh, And he was a guy who carried a gun, but loved horses and did not want them to be part of that horse-drawn carriage industry. Our number is 1-800-848-WABC. We give a tribute to the great Barry Gray. Pave the way for us, uh, young Huckleberries in talk radio. Bob Grant, the king of talk radio, Barry Gray, Barry Farber. Uh, and uh, Long John, Neville, Candy Jones. I could go through a whole list of them. Gene Shepard, we could go on and on and on. Anyway, let's go to Denise, who's calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Denise. Hiya, Curtis. I hope Nancy is still there because I have to tell you, I admire the two of you. And yes, Nancy, I don't go anyplace without Bertie either. I believe in animal rights. And you are right. You just changed the subject. I mean, I think any animal should be considered with humanity. And you quoted something from Gandhi the other day, Curtis. That's right. Gandhi said said, a society that does not. Well, I have it right in front of me. The greatness of a nation and its moral progress can be judged by the way its animals are treated. But let me ask you a question, Denise. Where did you grow up? Where were you born and raised? I was I was born in Astoria and moved out in Long Island when I was five years old. All right. When you were in Astoria, were you walking around with bird seed in your pockets feeding the pigeons? I was I was always an animal lover. All right. So I'm on from on Ditmars, uh, Ditmars, in the shadow of the L, you were tossing out bird seed, feeding the pigeons. Well, I don't remember feeding them at that age, but. I have to tell you, I'm the one who took the garter steak home when I was in, you know, kindergarten. I said, you know, I have to take care of the garter steak and take it home. The garden snake? A, a garter. Oh, garter. The, you know, oh okay, I got snakes it. Yes. Because they have a, a pet in every single little classroom. 
But you're right about de Blasio, not to change the subject. I was very active because the carriage horses, they need companionship. They are not well taken care of, contrary to the big debate that was going on. NY class was very involved with that. And de Blasio did get a ticket in to be mayor of the city because he was going to get rid of the carriage horses. And he did lie. Well, okay. it was the uh, first of many Cacciarone situations. He is the Pinocchio of New York City. De Blasio has lied to everyone. Anyway, let's go to Andy out in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Annie. Hi, Curtis. Uh, yeah, this is Anne from Staten Island. I just have a question. I'm sure you've, you've done this, but have you ever gone to the stables where the horses are kept? Yes, I have. And I've been there, and, you know, those horses get more vacation time off than I've gotten at work, and I've been at the firm for, like, 40 years. Um, They're not put out every single day. They have all their health certificates are posted on their stalls, and the showers for them are incredible, and they're very well taken care of. And I wonder if everybody who opposes them has ever really gone and inspected the entire stable. All right, you know, but, but Ann. showered with their queens. And yeah. just look at the queue. Sometimes you've got these uh, folks who've grown up eating hamburgers their entire life and having macaroni salad and potato salad. They're like 400 pounds apiece. They all get on that carriage. So that's like uh, at 1,600, 2,600 pounds. I can't imagine a horse is all that happy pulling these fat people around in Central Park. Well, um, I wasn't so happy getting on a train being crushed by 300-pound people. <laughs> you know, I'm seriously, you know, I'm only 4'9". You know? so, All right, well, we will, we will agree to disagree there. And she made a lot of good points. There have been people who are pro- horse-drawn carriages who have made the same points. Uh, I originally used to be pro-horse-drawn carriages until I actually started looking at the horses and wondering why they were always looking down at the ground. Can't be very happy if you're always looking down at the ground. It's like that elephant. Remember Happy, the elephant in the Bronx Zoo? Not that happy, banging its head against the wall. I can't imagine that elephant was so happy. Bang, bang, bang. And the Bronx Zoo wouldn't let Happy go to a reserve. It's our, it's our elephant. You looking can't. at the personalities of them, it's like, you know, if they're, they don't seem to be enjoying themselves, like, it, it's true. Like, maybe they can do that certain job, but is that their best life? So I think at that point, you kind of just, like, look at it and you take a step back and you say, oh, are they really enjoying themselves? I mean, I think once you start looking at it that way, it becomes a different sort of uh, question. By the way, uh, you have been referred to on many occasions on the Frankie Russo show, Nancy. Yeah. Uh, in fact, he plays a cut from you in which you say <laughs> uh, he is very entertaining, correct? Well, he is. That's true. He is. And his callers. You, you really like his callers, don't you? I do. I do. I do. What is it about his callers that you, you find so enticing that it keeps you up to the wee hours of the morning? Well, I like that they're so 
so open and, you know, so willing to just give, you know, their all and their, you know, their opinions. Like, you know, they lay it all on the line, which I think is like what everyone wants to hear. Like, what what do people really think? It's like uncensored. <laughs> so well, I think see, that's important. I like them because they're all a bunch of crackpots and screwballs. Well, I mean, OK, well, no, I think they're just saying what they think. <laughs> that's all. And what do you think of Frankie Russo himself? Um, well, I mean, I, I, I like him, um, but I, I, I didn't like that he didn't, you know, he, he, when he, he didn't support you, I kind of just, it, it hurt me a little bit in my heart, but I like him. I like he, him. He did not pay homage to me. I know. He should have. He should have. Well, I know in the Sliwa household, he is your favorite talk show host and his callers. Are... Oh, I, lo- I love the callers. The callers are the best. <laughs> I'm telling you, they are a bunch of crackpots and schoolballs. But I, they're I, honest. They're honest. I, I will say he probably has the best callers Absolutely. in all of talk radio. They, you Absolutely. see, they are part of the varsity team of callers. Uh, Frankie Russo, he's still JV, <laughs> still JV. But anyway, I'm going to let you go. Take care of the kitties, seventeen okay. of them. Uh, in our 328-square-foot apartment in the Upper West Side. That's right. Nancy West. Thank you so much for having me on again, Carradine. Oh, anytime, because you are doing great work rescuing these cats. If you didn't go to these animal care and control shelters uh, when these cats are on the death watch, they're only given 72 hours to live, if you weren't rescuing them and bringing them to our home, they would be destroyed. They would be euthanized. Much love to you and the callers, Curtis. Thank you. Up next, the other side of midnight, Frank Morano to defend his honor against the JV member of that squad. Get it? Squad. Yeah, I know. One right over your heads. Frankie Russo. The founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Sliwa on 77 WABC. What a massive act of disrespect to yours truly. The fact that I am the only show that has a sponsor that takes responsibility for anything that I say that comes out of my mouth. that drips from my lips. Frank Morano. How can this be? They always play that cut at the top of each hour. Very, very suspicious. Uh, knowing the uh, brilliant businessman that our owner, John Katsimatidis, is, I have to think it's some sort of fear of legal, it's some legal indemnification or some some situation that you they don't want to say anything, they don't want you to say anything that's going to get the radio station sued, so they could point to that and say, well, Why oh, do they even have me on the air? Well, that's Every day question. I say things that's a, that that's a good could question. cause people to be sued. <laughs> that's a good, well, that's why they have that disclaimer. They get the value of you being on the air. They throw the disclaimer on there, and then they don't have to worry. They say, hey, look, he's paying to be on. Well, Frank Morano, you are the um, varsity team of WABC. You're on the varsity team. By the way, a great interview with uh, your wife, Nancy, there on the uh, pigeons. I am surprised that neither of you – I didn't hear either of you mention – the heroism of war pigeons, particularly during World War II, many of which were decorated for delivering messages and saving thousands of lives because of that very same homing ability that uh, that Nancy alluded to. Excellent. You see, that's why Frank Murano truly is a purveyor of theater of the mind. I could actually see the pigeons dodging the ACAC. And on that note, though, before... I go to this uh, continuing saga of Frankie Russo. 
I want to go to Rosemary, who's commenting on that very topic, pigeons up in Westchester. Are you there in Nodine Hill in Yonkers, where I visited many a pigeon coop when I was younger, uh, Rosemary? No, sir. I'm in Ossining, actually. Um, Hopefully not in the prison up there. Oh, no, no. Far away. We're safe. No. About 12, 13 years ago, not far from 9-11, my mom lived. I was a caregiver to her. And um, across the alleyway, I used to watch. She was in a small building and about uh, third floor across the alleyway. I watched, and it, con- and it changed my mind about pigeons. There was a couple, I assume a male and female. I don't think there was binary yet. Anyway, <laughs> they had a, they had babies. <laughs> it wasn't that time yet. <laughs> and one would one would watch the nest, and they built a nest between the air conditioner and the window ledge or the edge of the window. And I watched in fascination every morning while I took care of my mother before she woke up and how the male, they would take turns looking for food. They never went far and come back, check on the babies. And ever since then, if anybody ever saw that, they would take, you know, they're living feeling creatures they took care of their babies like a good parent would that's all i have to say no, no. And i love your interview with your wife thank, thank you. you thank you and rosemary uh conjuring up that image of arsoning as the amtrak train uh, pulls through the prison there on its way upstate uh frank uh i will uh, pick your brain yes pick away movie trivia i'm ready what was the greatest second greatest movie about birds of all time uh, the location was an actual prison. Well, so I'm assuming the second greatest is the birds. The first greatest, of course, Alfred so, Hitchcock. Uh, the the second greatest, probably, and it's not about birds, but there is a bird in it. Shawshank Redemption with Tim Robbins no, and Morgan Freeman. No, because it cannot compare. There is a great bird scene in that film. I know, but the best Jake. bird scene in a prison is the Birdman of Alcatraz. Oh, Clint Eastwood. No, Burt Lancaster. Burt Lancaster. I'm pretty sure it's Burt yeah. Lancaster. Check it. Jeopardy minds out there need to know, is it Clint Eastwood or Burt Lancaster, the Birdman of Alcatraz? No, I believe, you're, I believe you are correct. Oh, I my believe, God. I, I believe me. No one's more surprised than me. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Burt Lancaster, Carl Malden, and uh, Tully Savalas were all in it. Oh, now that's, that's a good movie. Yeah. You know, I believe it or not, I'm embarrassed to admit this. I've not seen the Birdman oh, of Alcatraz. Oh, it is such a good movie. First of all, Birdman of Alcatraz was a stone-cold killer. That's oh, no, he, I'm familiar with the real that's third right. man of that's why, Robert Stroud. Right. That's why he was in Alcatraz. Mm-hmm. But when it came to birds, he couldn't be nicer. See that? Bad to people, <laughs> right. nice to birds. <laughs> now, speaking of the bird, we have here a young upcoming talk show host who I describe as JB. Right. He has the other side of midnight on the two nights that you are all Frankie Rousseau. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rousseau. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess he can't quite understand that he hasn't earned the stripes yet because he is a he is a rookie. He is a new Jack, right? And I want to play you uh, two cuts. Oh boy, a Frankie Russo and a man I admire because he makes a great pizza. I might add. Oh, I just tried a slice. I mean, this is amazing. Uh, from the Slime Light, aka the old Limelight nightclub disco. Uh, that's Grimaldi's pizza. Mm. And so 
I had said that the only thing, and you're, you're aware of this, is that John Katsimatidis, our owner-operator, has tried to sign me up to a 30-year no-cut contract. And we are negotiating over the one problem that I have with this is that Frankie Russo, JV member of the WABC talk show host, has Grimaldi's Pizza brought to him on both of his shows. And I said, okay, I realize I'm not going to get Grimaldi's shot, but maybe originals from Avenue L and Canarsie can't get Staten Island Pizza because, you know, the toll alone would probably bankrupt John. You know, having to pick up the pizza here, bring it back. So I, I, I give John some relief there. Tommy's on East Tremont, even though they hate me there uh, in the Bronx, good pizza. Mm. And naturally, what I grew up on in the uh, Lower East Side, when that's all I ate was pizza morning, noon, and night off Avenue A in St. Mark's Place, right on First Avenue, Stromboli's, now run by the Albanians. John will not capitulate. He will not throw that bone in. So we're at... Um, You're at an impasse. A very big impasse. Now, don't you think, me, with my seniority, I deserve at least one pizza pie a night no, no from one question. of these locations? No question about it. Why do you think this new Jack has earned Grimaldi's Pizza, which is top-shelf five-star? Well, I, it's a good question. I, I, the, I agree with your analysis of the pizza. It is great. I have to think, knowing the gentleman you're referring to, it's some sort of scam he's pulling somehow. I mean, I don't know if it's a money laundering scam or <laughs> some sort of extortion scam or if uh, the the pizza establishment's paying off a gambling debt or uh, there's some something going on. Well, there. he does have a vowel at the end. Yeah, of the it, there's right? some there's some con that uh, that the gentleman that you're referring then, to is running. So do I have a vowel at the end of my name, and it's a Polish name. But anyway, let's go to the audio tape. Because I am Aww. not going to sign a no-cut 30-year contract like knowing oh, that you get oh. Grimaldi's oh, on the Frankie Russo show delivered from the it's slime light. <laughs> hey, Stuna. You got me involved, you know. I got you involved. What'd you get me involved with? Listen to this. This what is, is it? It's nice music. It <laughs> Send in the cloud. He's, uh, he's a him and his him and his sidekick, Romano, Morano, whatever that was name. Another clown, two clowns. Gizmo is the star. <laughs> Do you know that that, that Sliwa interviewed me? He interviewed me before before he left for, for his campaign. I'm like a person of no consequence. Biggest mistake I ever made in my life was allowing him into the studios during the daylight hours right. and interviewing him. He got such a swelled up head. He needs a crane to get him in and out of the studio now. That's true. The First of all, I, I think knowing you as I have for as long as I have, if you really didn't like Frankie Russo and this uh, shtick that he's doing, you would pay him no attention because you know that the, the best thing that you can give an egomaniac like Frankie Russo is airtime, right? And you as a fellow narcissist understand that it doesn't even matter whether you're saying something positive or something negative. The fact that you're talking about him, uh, th uh, this on a show people are listening to. And by the way, I saw the streaming numbers from last Sunday. My goodness, you handed me quite a lead in, and thankfully we were able to build on that. Well, that's why I'm here. Frank. But uh, exactly, but you know, this guy is doing no numbers on the weekend, and for you to be giving him this kind of free promotion, it shows me and I think the audience that you really do care for him. You really do like the guy. Wait a second. Uh, yeah, go to that other cut, please. He interviewed me, and, and then Morano, his campaign manager, says, who's Frankie Russo? 
it's, I don't it's, think a Curtis versus Frankie yeah. Russo match makes any sense, yeah. just because, quite frankly, and it's not to be dismissive of Frankie Russo, but yeah, nobody really knows who Frankie just Russo is. And say it, you coach. Very, very say it, you hate Frankie Russo. Audience. Just Curtis say it. Curtis is a national Who's this guy? figure. Morano. Oh, Morano Russo. Romano, Morano, what's his name? Romano. That's the ping pong guy. Yeah, the ping pong guy. <laughs> I've suddenly become a person of no consequence. <laughs> They get, bro, they get it slammed over here. They get ripped a new one. They don't know what to do with themselves. I, I stand by that. Again, nothing against the guy, but nobody knows who he is outside of when you talk about him. But you are known uh, as a ping-pong protege. You could actually be competing in Beijing as we speak. Now, you have to – so that's Michael Grimaldi that's on with him. See, I don't listen to the show. I Like most people, I don't listen oh, to the show. Oh, my wife, uh, she, she, I, she likes him the best. Is that Michael Grimaldi that's on I with him? I believe so. Oh, it's so. Anthony Grimaldi. Anthony. So now, I know Patsy Grimaldi and his wife Carol founded Grimaldi's. What is Anthony's relation with, with to Patsy and Carol? Does he have the same last name? He does. That's all he needs. But but Patsy Grimaldi is now at a competing pizzeria. He's at Juliana, ah. which in Dumbo. So oh, I'm trying to figure out, do you know, Matt, what the relationship is between Anthony? Well, the Grimaldi's that he gets, Frankie Russo, that's from the Slimelight, a.k.a. the mm-hmm. Limelight. I see. Yeah, right. I'm not exactly sure the relationship between. So, I know uh, when the commercial plays that Anthony cut, he says he's the grandchild of the Antonelli family, I think is, is what he says. Right. So it sounds like to me like he changed his last name to Grimaldi. No, it's not. Well, it's not Grimaldi. Oh, it's not Grimaldi. No, his last oh, name so is not Grimaldi. So he's not even a Grimaldi. No, his gotcha. last name is okay. not. I know it's the, not Grimaldi. I see. Okay, I didn't know. So that. it's a knockoff. I see. So <laughs> no, you're, well, are you accusing is. his pizza of being a knockoff pizza? <laughs> it is the Grimaldi. Right, it's from Grimaldi's has, Pizza, but right. it's not pizza made by Grimaldi. Ah. You see what I'm saying? So if you want pizza made by Grimaldi, you have to go to Juliana's. If you want Grimaldi's Pizza, you buy it from this guy, Anthony. So what you're really saying, let me cut to the chase here, that right. Frankie Russo is a fake, phony, fraudulent, fagacious. Right, so we have a fake Frank and a fake Grimaldi teamed up <laughs> in their desperate bid for relevance. <laughs> Uh, yes, right now. Meantime, yes, yes. as we go back from the JV squad, and boy, he's going to be in the JV squad forever at this rate. Uh, let's get back to uh, the varsity. And what do you have in store before the uh, normal lineup kicks in, uh, starting in your 5 o'clock hour with Jet Set Juliet uh, and yourself? Got a great show. Got a great show. Obviously, we'll bring you all the latest out of Wisconsin, and uh, we're going to delve into all the breaking news, and there's quite a bit of it, and we'll tell everybody about it. Then, in the 2 o'clock hour, today is, of course, the anniversary of the Kennedy assassination. So, last week, I didn't last know that. year... Yeah. Wow. No, you didn't know that Kennedy was shot? I mean, I, no, of course I, 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 I did. I didn't know that this was the anniversary. Br- bust your bubble. Yeah. So last year we did something interesting in that I had different theorists of this assassination on for a whole week. Every day a different assassination theory. Some people said lone gunman. Some people said he was killed by the mob. Some people said by uh, Lyndon Johnson. Some people by uh, Castro. Every day was a different theory. So what we're going to do today, I'm taking a cue from you. I heard that caller that said I could learn a thing or two from the master, and he's not necessarily wrong. Master Blaster. That's right, just like in uh, in uh, in that Mel Gibson movie, uh, Beyond Thunderdome. Now, in so what we're going to do in the 2 o'clock hour is we're going to invite the callers 
to put forward whatever they think happened with respect to the Kennedy assassination. Well, see, I'm trying to think. It was 1963. See, how do I get 19... Oh, 1960 is when I was being brainwashed by the um, Irish uh, Christian uh, nuns there, Mm. whose um, sanctuary was out in Brentwood, Long Island. That was their home for the retired nuns. The Irish nuns who uh, tried to tell us that we had to convince our parents to vote for John Kennedy, the good Irish Roman Catholic candidate for president, and not Richard Nixon. That, in fact, that was heresy. We Mm. might actually be thrown out of the Roman Catholic Church, excommunicated if our parents would actually vote for Richard Nixon. John Gambling told me the Quaker schools told him the same thing about Nixon. Yep. And then on the day that J.F. Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, was assassinated in Dallas, I remember Sister Ruth stopped the class. The Mother Superior came in and gave us the news and it was like we were sitting shiver. We were in like total mourning because you had a picture sure, of JFK absolutely. at like two, three, four in every room because of the Irish Christian nuns. So we're going to take callers' theories on what they think happened and give them a chance to make their case. Then everybody's been talking about, including you, and you made this a big issue during your campaign, the situation over at Rikers Island. And uh, it's a mess at Rikers. So we're going to talk with someone who has just spent a substantial amount of time oh, at Rikers. Oh. He's also a former attorney and an ex, uh, he's an ex, ex-attorney and an ex-con. And he recently just had his conviction vacated, but not before spending a lot of time at Rikers. We're going to talk with Dom Crispino, and one of the interesting things in Washington that nobody is talking about right now, except for the guests that I've found on this, is there's the National Defense Authorization Act. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand and Senator Marco Rubio have proposed bipartisan, it's the only bipartisan thing in Washington now, they have proposed an amendment to change the way UFOs are reported, right? And so if this passes as part of this National Defense Authorization Act, this will totally revolutionize UFO reporting in this country. We're going to talk about the researcher that discovered this, that it's in there, and broke the story. It's something that's been almost totally ignored by the mainstream press, but it's all too real. We're going to get Little Marco, huh? Exactly. Uh, you know, he has one thing in common with me and one thing only. What, a fondness for uh, Poland spring water? Uh, no, a fondness for electronic dance music. Oh, he is into EDM that. like I am. I did not. So know you that. just learned something. You learned two things tonight. I thought it was that uh, both of you prematurely claimed that Castro had been uh, had, had died. <laughs> Do you remember that you were doing the overnight shift? I almost and, got uh, fired uh, because of that. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, we'll have to reminisce uh, another time. But anyway, warming up in the bullpen, one a.m. Be there, or be square. The member of the varsity here at WABC, not a pretender to the crown like Frankie Russo, still on the JV squad. Frank Morano. New York's talk station with the king of New York, Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. To the phones we go. It's Mikey Boy calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Yes, sir. I, I believe you and Frank Moreno should get your own stop and pose because I went by the uh, the church or pizzeria, whatever the heck it is, the Grimaldi's. And Frankie Russo has a WABC stop and pose like what they do with the uh, Hollywood premieres in front of the uh, pizza place. So I think equal time is what it's all about. You need to stop and pose somewhere in the city with a little red beret thing on top. So, I mean, I'm an idea man, but it just struck me that it's a stop and pose. I just want to get a slice of pizza. You know, it's like, uh, what is that? You mean they actually have it set up for a photo shoot there promoting WABC and the Frankie Russo show? 
that's affirmative. And, oh, by the way, I'm a, a part-time taxi driver, so my condolences on the uh, faux pas with the, uh, the yellow cap. You know what happened? I think you tried to go full star ski when you were sliding across the hood and you didn't make it. So I uh, hope you're feeling better. Uh, you Weisenheimer. But I will tell you this. Amazing at the old slime light. I'm surprised when the boys there, Anthony, decided to set up his pizza ovens in the old slime light that they didn't all get STDs just from breathing in the air. I, I mean, used to go in there and get busy a couple of times. It was a little creepy when it used to be a disco because it, it's hard to, to uh, get busy when all of a sudden you're looking around at stained glass and church stuff. I, it was a little creepy then, but I think they'll do a little bit, but they have too many plants in front, though. I start. I start itching when I look at all those plants in front. You know what I mean? I got to tell you, though, doesn't stop pervs. That's for sure. My God. What do they wear? Hazmat suits over there now? I'm telling you, there were so many STDs, sexually transmitted diseases at the old slime light, that I'm sure it's embedded into the fabric of what used to be a old church. Imagine it was a church, and then it became the house of Satan, Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, that's what the slime light was. Anyway, let's go, if we can, to uh, Mike. He's calling from New Rochelle. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Glad to have you back, Curtis. you got to straighten out that Frankie Russo. The only reason why his ratings are tanking is because you haven't been around to critique his program. It went from lowbrow to nobrow ever since you left. It shows like agita to my ears. I can't listen to him. Well, he's a... I have to listen because it is my wife Nancy's favorite show, and she really loves the screwball and crackpot callers. Oh, please. Between him and them, I don't know who's worse. I feel my intelligence level dropping every minute I listen to it. I got to leave the room. I listen to my parrots. You like birds? Get a couple of parrots. Teach them to talk. You got to have conversations with them. (laughs) Oh, one more thing. Uh, I used to be like a roadie for a high-profile DJ, and we uh, worked the limelight a few times on a few different occasions. Best DJ booth I've ever been in, and it was a beautiful nightclub, to be honest with you. I don't know about STDs, but this is like late 90s, early 2000s. Beautiful DJ booth, had a couch, private bathroom. I didn't interact with the general crowd. I stuck by him. We had a drink served to us, and it was uh, a fun time all around. But. You have to admit, you had to wear a bulletproof body condom there, didn't you? I never got uh, to that pro- thought process because I wasn't out looking for any uh, tail in, in those places. We were there just to work and uh, kind of party. You, you know, we drank. We weren't into drugs. Yeah, yeah, we sure, to- sure. You weren't there looking for the girly girl. Sure. No, no, you work in the DJ booth. No, you told the ladies, hey, I'm too busy spinning stacks of wax. What a cacao down. And anyway, up next, he is known for his ping pong prowess. He has been invited by Kim Jong Mentally Ill's Evil Seed to potentially come to Pyongyang to show his ping pong expertise in an exhibition against the kingdom of North Korea's finest. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Started the program earlier today and moments before. The news of the night was that in Waukesha, Wisconsin, right outside of Milwaukee, a suburb there, 
that at the annual, I call it what it is, Christmas uh, parade, although they've renamed it Holiday Parade because they don't want to be canceled. They're so politically correct. A a, uh, red SUV plowed into the crowd, apparently injuring up to uh, 24, seriously, adults and children, and killing some. Multiple fatalities. And the Waukesha Police Department, Chief of Police, uh, seems to be alluding to the fact that they have the driver in custody and he may well have been fleeing another crime scene that he was a participant in, which could be either on the other side of the border with Milwaukee or in Waukesha itself, waiting other details on that. Also, this is the hour that you've been looking for to listen because it will be a... uh, titanic struggle of an issue that rarely is talked about on talk radio, but it is an issue in the streets and the subways of New York City. And yes, occasionally when workers return to the glass and concrete encased buildings that are now vacant in the aftermath of the lockdown and pandemic, as many workers have learned, they can do their work just as well at home, if not better, without having to uh, schlep all the way to work. Uh, Be like sardines in mass transit, two hours one way, two hours the other way. And still get their work done and have peace of mind and a quality of life and spend more family time. We'll discuss that in future programs. Because I was the only candidate running for citywide office who was acknowledging that. Everybody else is saying, oh, it's happy days to hear again. You know, don't worry, everybody will return. They're not for a number of reasons. But one group that never left during the lockdown and pandemic. And they've only grown, as we have not yet been able to come up with a a method of birth control with them, are street pigeons. They're everywhere. I love them. During the mayoral campaign, I was called the Pigeon Man. Because even to this day, even though I lost to Mayor-elect Eric Adams, pigeons follow me everywhere. Everywhere. In fact, they're all around here, the studio of WABC now. And that was brought to everybody's attention earlier today in the show that you ought to be listening to on Sunday mornings from 10 to 11. It's uh, Michael Mbadicic, Rudy Giuliani, with Dr. Maria. And towards the end of their discourse, before passing off the microphone to the star of Saturday Night Live, although you never would have known it, listening to Janine Pirro. In fact, she was the opening scene on Saturday Night Live, the actress there, who uh, did a marvelous, marvelous imitation of Jeanine Pirro, was Rudy Giuliani and Dr. Marie riffing about pigeons. Well, you know, I love our studio here. We have big windows, so uh, I like to look outside, look at the people, but we have these pigeons on the ledges. I I do love birds. I love to, to identify different sounds. And pigeons you think of as dirty birds, but there's like this purple hue and they're nice and big and fat and they're sleeping. Like they get their heads in their chest. You don't like the Flying rats, flying rats. They're flying rats. Flying uh, New York City pigeons are flying rats. I don't know what they are in Italy or other places. They're looking at you. Well, this no, this guy got his head stuck in his. He's got his his head stuck in his big fat chest or something. (laughs) They are fat. They are fat. This other guy's doing the same thing. Yeah, that purple little thing back there. But I mean, they're dirty as heck. (laughs) 
They have all kinds of diseases. I know that. I know they we have need all some kinds cardinals of cardinals on our ledges. <laughs> but these, I mean, nice. these, these guys are just, uh, flying rats. Now, on the line to engage uh, Michael Buttigieg, Rudy Giuliani, who I have not oftentimes disagreed with over the years. I have had my uh, separations from time to time from Rudy, but most times I've generally been uh, insimpatico with him, but I break ranks with him on that. As you know, I am the pigeon man. But the person who supersedes me in that department is my wife, Nancy, Nancy Sliwa, who not only feeds pigeons on a regular basis, but whenever she is in transport, wherever she's going, whether it's on a subway, a bus, or walking around, always has bird seed in her pocket. Is that is that correct, Nancy? Hey, so, so thank you for having me on. And, uh, you know, you know, with all due respect to, uh, Rudy, um, I, I have to say, like, you know, pigeons, they need much more acknowledgement in New York City because they clearly are what should be the bird of New York City overall, no question. Now, you grew up out in Bohemia in Suffolk County. There weren't too many pigeons out there. How did you develop this affinity? for what Rudy referred to as street rats. Well, I mean, not, I mean, in many ways, I think it was the same way that I, I um, became accustomed to um, colony cats, like outdoor cats. You know, until I was in New York City, I didn't realize how many there were. So um, the at this point, obviously, there's not a super great census with the pigeons, but it's either like one pigeon for every person or one pigeon for every two people there's a lot of pigeons that live in New York city and they're not really acknowledged. So um, the New York state bird is actually a blue bird, which has a, a, you know, several hundred thousand. And then they leave when the weather gets cold, they come back when the weather gets warm, but pigeons, they're like New York city residents. Like they hang on no matter what's going on. When the weather gets cold, they just hang out in the subways. Like they don't leave New York city so it's like I think we really need to start nominating the pigeon as the official bird of New York City. Now, uh, I have seen you, when you've been in my company, <laughs> reach into your pocket, whether it's a jacket you're wearing or jeans, and the moment you see pigeons in the area, you will spread the area with bird seed. Uh, when did you start doing that? Well, I mean, I think the thing that got me is when, I mean, I noticed them initially, but when I started seeing pigeons walking around where it's like they had like, you know, like several toes, like, you know, gone, it's like, I didn't realize that the pigeons were really struggling against stuff. So unfortunately, the same way that outdoor, um, you know, cats and, and obviously not so much dogs, but it's like they're viewed as pests. So there's no protection for pigeons. So, you know, along building sides, like if they don't want pigeons to hang out, they put up spikes. There's no laws against harming a pigeon. So you have a lot of pigeons walking around with like, you know, half a foot. And that's apparently okay, according to the law. That's something that really, you know, gripped at my heartstrings. It's like, wait, this this is so wrong. Like they're living creatures. Like living creatures, like they can't, you know, they have, you know, sort of that sort of thing to them. Like, it's really unfortunate that there's zero protection for them. But then again, it's like, it's just like sort of emblematic, 
you know, for the fact that even like, you know, pets and households, they have no protection. So pigeons have like, you know, zero protection, unfortunately. I think, uh, Nancy, we could help resolve part of this problem if we could figure out how to get pigeons to poop less. I think part of the problem is, is that people see pigeons and if they're perched on their windowsill, they start pooping. They're constantly pooping, and in fact, oftentimes in an aerial uh, formation, they drop poop simultaneously right on your car or your head. Well, you know what? The funny thing with that is, like, so I understand the practical issue with that, but when I've um, gone out to, like, you know, feed the pigeons or I happen to feed them in the mornings, like, when people are walking their dogs, like, not for nothing, I mean, the dogs are sort of, uh, you know, doing their business on the street, but for some reason, they don't realize the distinction there, but they're annoyed with the pigeons. It's like, you know, I mean, you have to have some heart, you know, like for realizing this is the situation. Like, we don't want to be harming living creatures. So, I mean, I don't see why pigeon stuff is any different than dogs. Personally. Now, Nancy, uh, on occasion, uh, neighbors and others have confronted you <laughs> because you have been feeding pigeons, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, aggressively. Yes. What do they do? Give us an idea of what they do to you. Well, no, I mean, they're definitely aggressive. You know, I mean, as though I created the pigeons and, you know, I try to explain to them, like, look, you know, these are living creatures, you know, and then they try to say, oh, well, they're, they're wild. They can find, you know, the food, you know, and, you know, and I, then I sort of uh, go the next step to question them. Like, okay, do you know the census? Do you know what food sources they find? Like, Okay, not for nothing. They don't really know how these animals are existing. But the point is, like, the reason why um, these pigeons, like the foods that they feed off of, um, lots of times are related to, you know, what people are, you know, putting in the garbage. So there's a reason why the pigeon population in New York City is so large. And then as, you know, sort of a response of like, you know, the COVID, people being, you know, less out there, there was a smaller food source. But again, I mean, this is what it is. Like these animals are just looking for something to feed on. So if you want to address, I mean, you know, nature has a great way of addressing these issues naturally. It works out on its own right. You don't have to really step in and do something different. But, you know, you have to be cognizant of the fact that these are, you know, living, feeling creatures. Well, well, so, how, how about this? Uh, a number of people have come up to me. Because they figure it's easier for them to talk to me than to talk to you because you won't stop feeding the pigeons. They say, Curtis, why don't you and your wife spend time trying to develop pigeon condoms to serve as a form of birth control? Because the pigeons, they keep multiplying at rapid rates. Is that a possibility? Well, you know, I mean, again, and and certainly that could be a possibility but but again like to, to the point of the fact that it's like you know they're viewed um according to um, new york state and new york city law they're viewed as pests so companies are you know able to just sort of um eradicate them but if you you know classify them differently then maybe that same amount of funding could go toward you know, like lowering the population and, and doing like, you know, to your point, like you're making sure that they weren't, you know, procreating left and right. So I think it really is about a focus 
And if you want to be humane and you want to be caring, like that should be the focus. Now, you heard Mike Mbaricic, Rudy Giuliani, describe pigeons as uh, carrying diseases airborne at times. Well, I mean, he, he might have had like a, a like a car that was underneath, like where pigeons were perching. He, I mean, it sounds like maybe he was annoyed <laughs> by their particular activities, but <laughs> I have a feeling he got pooped on a number of times when he was mayor, and he took umbrage to that. I mean, yeah, you have one bad situation, and it's unfortunately it, it melts your personality. You know, uh, for a lot of Italians, especially from southern Italy. I think uh, Rudy's family was from northern Italy. They always had their noses in the air compared to those south of Roma. Uh, But pigeons is considered a delicacy. Pigeon soup. Are you aware of that? I am aware of this. Yes, yes, yes. So you wouldn't want to see these pigeons sort of turned into soup, would you? Oh, absolutely not. Of course not. Of course. And you are aware that there is... uh, a, a group of people that actually raise pigeons, those aren't the pigeons you see in the streets, but have pigeon coops and race them and bet incredible amounts of money by flying them, well, not flying them, by driving them all the way to Florida, releasing them from their cages, and then time-checking them upon their arrival at their home coop here in the tri-state area. You know what, what's interesting is that in New York City, there's no law against, um, you know, doing anything bad against a pigeon who's a nuisance, but they have um, two exceptions. And one of them is like what you just said, like the homing pigeons. So it's like this is their nature. They constantly go back to where they came from. So knowing that, and it, it's like it's it sort of, it, to me, it's like very, um, you know, reminiscent of like how the colony cats are the cats who live outdoors, you know, no matter how far they may stray in different blocks, they always come back home. So it's like when you know that they consider this their home, there's a lot of ways to address the population issue because, you know, they're always coming back home. So I think that's really the starting you know, point for everything. I know for a lot of uh, men out there, uh, it has been a mood elevator to have a uh, pigeon coop. Uh, in fact, uh, Mike Tyson, the boxer. When he uh, grew up on Amboy Street in Brownsville, Brooklyn, never ran, never will, uh, had a pigeon coop there. Uh, My uncle Vincenzo had his pigeon coops. And in fact, uh, in the competitions, oftentimes people would fly the birds in a pattern, try to distract the birds on your coop so they would be attracted into their flock. In essence, they'd be rustling your pigeons from from your coop to their coop. There'd be pigeon wars. I mean, and again, it's like just speaking to the the you know overall personality of the pigeon. It's like you know you you know their tendencies, you know what they're doing, you know you know how to kind of work with them, and also they're just very innocent creatures. So if you want to assist in the issue, yeah, you can do it. You can you can work it. So it's like you know what they're doing. They're coming back home. So that's the good news. Well, I think we're going to have to stage a debate. Between the former mayor of the city of New York, Mike Mbaricic, Rudy Giuliani, who hates pigeons, he calls them flying rats, and uh, my wife Nancy, who you've just listened to, Nancy Sliwa, animal rights activist and pigeon lover extraordinaire, who walks around with with birdseed in her pocket, feeding pigeons everywhere. Always. Why is it, though, the majority of those that feed pigeons, not always, 
but the majority appear to be older women with sacks of breadcrumbs. Well, I mean, I, I think that's just like the, the, you know, the logic that comes with experience of life. It's like once you start seeing, you know, animals who are in need, same way that you see people in need, you know, th- there's that sort of, a, you know, it pulls at your heartstrings, like you don't want them to suffer. So I think that, you know, the knowledge comes with the wisdom of lifetime, personally. All right. Do appreciate it, uh, Nancy Sliwa, advocate for the Pigeons versus Rudy Giuliani, their adversary. Let's quickly go, though, to Gene, who's calling from Manhattan. Uh, welcome to the Curtis Sliwa Show, Gene. Thank you very much. Uh, I live in the West Village, and uh, I've always been interested in the birds in our area. We do see a lot of seagulls, of course. We didn't after 9-11 for a long, long time. But we get a lot of crows in our area after the pigeon eggs, and we have fire escapes. And uh, so we have to watch out for the crows. And I actually watched a crow go after a seagull that had picked up part of a chicken. And the two of them were going forward, and the seagull was trying to go as fast as he could carrying this piece of chicken in his (laughs) beak. And the crow was going after him like crazy. And... uh, so the crows are after pigeon eggs, at least when they lay their eggs. And uh, the pigeons, of course, love to get on fire escapes. And I see a lot of pigeons going after pizza crusts by the bus stops. Oh, yeah. They seem to love that. In fact, and uh, long, long ago, uh, yes. living in the West Village, I remember seeing elderly lady with uh, shopping bags of breadcrumbs, not birdseed, but breadcrumbs, scattering them around. Uh, I also know that in places like our city parks and around them, we see signs that say, please don't feed the pigeons, uh, the actual sign of request. And uh, I do find that the sidewalks, at least in those areas, seem to be pretty clear of uh, pigeons. Well, uh, I, I will tell you this, Gene. There's a much more humane way to deal with pigeons. If you consider them a nemesis, you just put up wooden owls. There are in some windowsills, people put out, instead of those spikes, they really torture the pigeons. Really, it's not humane at all. It's inhumane. But they put up wooden owls. The same way in a cornfield, they'll put up a, uh, they'll put up a, uh, uh, in order to scare the crows away, put up a scarecrow. My father, Chester, who grew up in Chicago in an area called Sherman Park. He went to an elementary school in Sherman Park. He had a crow that would fly with him to school and fly home called Jimmy, would perch himself on his shoulder. Jimmy would actually wait for my father uh, to get out of school. This is elementary school in Sherman Park in uh, Chicago on the windowsill and fly back and forth. Crows, trust me, crows are extremely bright. What is it? Uh, Former President Donald Trump calls uh, (laughs) the minority leader of the Senate, uh, Mr. (laughs) An old crow. You know what I'm talking about. W-A-B-C. 
listen to these super hit sounds from Red Apple Media Podcasts. Joan Hamburg's Let Me Tell You. We love the theater. It's the heart of New York City. Bernard McGurk's American Lives Matter. And you're talking politics, and so now you're in the political arena. Rita Cosby's Protecting America. Because this is a hot issue. And so much more. Listen now. Go to WABCRadio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. To the phones we go. It's Leo calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Leo. Uh, hi, doing. Uh, you was good this with your wife talking uh, a few days ago about the horses in the Central Park. Uh, I think more her. You was just nodding. There was a talk about they, uh, the drivers don't understand that they're not going to lose job. They just can use electric carriages. I know me coming 30 years ago from Germany, from big city, from Stuttgart. One of the first trip with the kids was to see Central Park and go on the horses. It's just for the tourists and for lovers. It's the contrast of the biggest city of the world, one of the biggest cities. And in the middle is a forest and you can sit on the horse behind the horse. For kids, some of them never saw a horse. They're not in a zoo, horses. And in big city, city kids, they never saw from up close the horses. I got I to I gotta tell you, though, Leo, uh, most cities have discontinued the use of horse-drawn carriages. Chicago has banned them. Third world countries like Santo Domingo in the DR, Guadalajara in Mexico, Bombay, a.k.a. Mumbai in India, now have the electric carriages. So those who uh, were uh, taking care of the horse-drawn carriages, uh, the drivers, they now drive the electric uh, cars, so they haven't lost their income. And uh, at first, I was a believer like you, Leo, that, oh, it's, a, it's an attraction to New York City. And then I started looking at these horses, and they're, uh, they're all like sad sacks. They're, their heads are always down, facing the uh, asphalt. And then imagine you're sitting there all day, and occasionally you're taking out tourists from places like Nebraska, uh, where they think a salad bar actually is uh, eating uh, macaroni. Not macaroni salad, but potatoes and macaroni. So they're like 400 pounds apiece. They get in the carriage, which is like 1,000 pounds to begin with. So you're talking about this horse having to schlep around about 2,500 pounds, and they need to socialize. Horses need to socialize with other horses. So that was one of this, my- I, I Yes, go ahead, Leo. Curtis, I love animals. I'm not against that. Maybe solution would be just just uh, restriction inside the Central Park. They would be just inside the, the Central Park. Well, 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 the well, you see, the Bill de Blasio promised. That's one of the reasons that he was uh, elected. Bill de Blasio promised that he would get rid of the horse-drawn carriages, and he lied to the general public because as a mayor... You have to go through the city council. He said he could do that through executive order. He lied. He knowingly lied about that. And he's just tried to do it in the last few uh, weeks of his mayoralty. And again, he's lied to the general public about it. But we will agree to disagree. By the way, to those of you who are great talk radio listeners, 
the one who used to be in the forefront of battling against the horse-drawn carriages, was one of the greatest broadcasters of all time, Barry Gray. He used to be the mid-morning guy on WMCA and then WOR. And even though he believed in the Second Amendment, he was a pistol carrier, originally born and raised in L.A. In the golden age of radio, he actually did programs from nightclubs. That's when radio was king. There was no TV. Uh, The mob messed around with him. They broke his arm. He was a real tough guy, Barry Gray. But totally compassionate and caring towards the horses in the horse carriage industry. Took him on. Uh, And he was a guy who carried a gun. But loved horses and did not want them to be part of that horse-drawn carriage industry. Our number is 1-800-848-WABC. We give a tribute to the great Barry Gray. Pave the way for us, uh, young Huckleberries in talk radio. Bob Grant, the king of talk radio. Barry Gray, Barry Farber. Uh, and uh, Long John Neville Candy Jones. I could go through a whole list of them. Gene Shepard. We could go on and on and on. Anyway, let's go to Denise. It's calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Denise. Hi, Curtis. I hope Nancy is still there because I have to tell you, I admire the two of you. And yes, Nancy, I don't go anyplace without birthseed either. I believe in animal rights. And you are right. You just change the subject. I mean, I think any animal should be considered with humanity. And you quoted something from Gandhi the other day. Curtis. That's right. You Gandhi said, uh, said a society yes, that does not. Is, well, I have it right in front of me. The Go greatness ahead. of a nation and its moral progress can be judged by the way its animals are treated. But let me ask you now, a question, Denise. Where did you grow up? Where were you born and raised? I was I was born in Astoria and moved out in Long Island when I was five years old. All right. When you were in Astoria, were you walking around with bird seed in your pockets feeding the pigeons? I was I was always an animal lover. All right. So I'm on from on Ditmars, Ditmars uh, in the shadow of the L, you were tossing out bird seed, feeding the pigeons. Well, I don't remember feeding them at that age, but. I have to tell you, I'm the one who took the garter snake home when I was in, you know, kindergarten. I said, you know, I have to take care of the garter snake and take it home. The garden snake? A garter. Oh, garter. The, you know, oh okay, I got snakes it. Yes. Because they have a, a pet in every single little classroom. But you write it about de Blasio, not to change the subject. I was very active because the carriage horses, they need companionship. They are not well taken care of, contrary to the big debate that was going on. NY class was very involved with that. And de Blasio did get a ticket in to be mayor of the city because he was going to get rid of the carriage horses. And he did lie. Well, okay? it was the uh, first of many Cacciaron situations. He is the Pinocchio of New York City. De Blasio has lied to everyone. Anyway, let's go to Annie out in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Annie. Hi, Curtis. Uh, yeah, this is Anne from Staten Island. I just have a question. I'm sure you'd, you've done this. But have you ever gone to the stables where the horses are kept? Yes, I have. And I've been there. And, you know, those horses get more vacation time off than I've gotten at work. And I've been at the firm for like 40 years. Um, They're not put out every single day. They have all their health certificates are posted on their stalls. And the showers for them are incredible. 
and they're very well taken care of. And I wonder if everybody who opposes them has ever really gone and inspected the entire stable. All right, you know, but, but when and, showered with their queens. And yeah. just look at the queue. Sometimes you got these uh, folks who've grown up eating hamburgers their entire life and having macaroni salad and potato salad. They're like 400 pounds apiece. They all get on that carriage, so that's like uh, at 1,600, 2,600 pounds. I can't imagine a horse is all that happy pulling these fat people around in Central Park. Well, I wasn't so happy getting on a train being crushed by 300-pound people. (laughs) You know, know, I'm only (laughs) 4'9". All right, well, we will... We will agree to disagree there, and she made a lot of good points.